Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Holy shit, dude. And this is easy, easily the craziest day in the history of our show, right? Would you say that? It is absolutely the most ground we've ever had to cover. And it the I, I, there is so much that we pr- won't get to spend enough time on that like I honestly think we could do a month of shows just on on this like almost an ep- almost like an episode for every team because with so many free agents signing and so much happening there there are all these just angles and permutations and redefinitions that are huge and fascinating and surprising like that was I think the biggest thing for me today is how surprising a lot of the elements were despite the things that seemed pretty well reported and well researched yeah i mean this jimmy butler trade falling apart as of 1109 p.m pacific tonight is like the fourth or fifth craziest thing to happen or not happen depending on your viewpoint today i mean i guess let's just get right into it starting with what happened in brooklyn kd Kyrie, oh and the third member of the triumvirate deandre jordan will all be joining the nets it was thought that KD would take longer to make his decision, that it could, Woj had reported that it could take well into the week for him to do some meetings. But KD also said, oh, I can't be recruited, blah, blah. So there are some cross purposes there. And before free agency had even officially started at 3 p.m. Pacific, news leaked that KD would be joining the Nets. Everyone knew Kyrie was going there already. And then we find out that DeAndre Jordan, we assumed because it was reported that Garrett Temple is also joining there on the room exception, that DeAndre Jordan was going to have to be the minimum. Au contraire, Kyrie and KD are actually taking less than the max, each guaranteed. They may try to make up for it with some incentives. And that's going to get DeAndre to a four-year, $40 million deal obviously much much more to unpack here with all the sudden trade possibilities and uh, oh by the way d'angelo russell going to the warriors and them completely unleashing hell uh, on their roster but for the nets uh, let's just talk about today's moves uh, from their perspective it's pretty amazing how sean marks is is able to build a a deep you know not perfect not perfectly balanced or anything like that team around these guys and part of the argument i'm assuming that marks went to with both durant and irving was the idea that you could play in new york city but but put together a far better team now we don't know all of the machinations that are going to be necessary to to make this work that it's one of the stranger parts of the brooklyn story is that we don't know all of this stuff yet there are a couple different ways that it could work and which one they go with could affect a few players on the margins we'll we'll probably have to piece that together in future episodes fortunately we'll have fewer free agent signings to discuss so that'll be there but 
Kyrie, KD, Dinwiddie, Levert. I mean, now they have Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan somehow, both at center. And Garrett Temple, who I really like as a depth piece on this team. He's going to be especially valuable during the 1920 season when Duran is unavailable, presumably due to his Achilles. And so I, I don't think that this makes the Nets like the unquestioned like title favorites, but they're a, they're going to be... You're, a, you're a, talking about a year from now. A year from now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. when when Durant gets back, I don't think they're... Yeah, they're, they're definitely not while Durant is out. But it, it puts them in a fascinating place. And if, you know, I don't know how Durant and Kyrie are going to see this as, as their, like one of their teams or both their teams, all that, all that kind of stuff, which is on and off the court drama. But it's a really intriguing collection of talent that also, if parts of it don't work, they can restructure it. You know, if Karis LeVert overlaps too much with those guys, well, then you can trade Karis LeVert. He's, he's on a reasonable, you know, he's on a rookie scale contract, all that kind of stuff. Same basic thing with Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie being, you know, at the, at, at a team friendly price, both of us thought he would, could have made a lot more if he if he waited to unrestricted free agency not that we begrudge him for locking in the security all those months ago but they have pieces that can be that can be adjusted around here and they have a lot of talent yeah i think what's really going to be interesting that they also may have to move on from zana musa and ruddy kuroks kuroks is someone who i think actually could really help them this year they don't necessarily have a great stretch four option unless they're going to move joe harris there this season uh but to me lavert is very interesting because with kd there you still have dinwiddie who's making more than lavert uh, although he is under contract for one more year after this one at about 10 million then he has a player option after that the time to trade lavert would be during this season they do kind of need him during this season though with kd out you've really only got two ball handlers in Kyrie and dinwiddie Kyrie's probably going to need some games off maybe there's a hope that kd's still you know i wouldn't necessarily rule him out for the entire year we'll see you know i mean that's the talk now i'm sure they don't want to put any pressure on him at all but guys usually come back in the nine month range from an achilles that it's possible maybe he could play although you know again they don't want to put pressure on blah blah but to me when you've got Kyrie, dinwiddie and kd long term you know maybe there's an extension possibility for lavert and then he could be tradable on that extension or maybe he's just so good that you keep him but that that is a little redundant defense on this team at the four and the five is really lacking the deandre jordan contract probably he had i mean certainly with Kyrie and kd taking less deandre jordan was a priority for them kd and deandre are, are great friends they, they talk to each other all the time during their free agencies and you know deandre will see whether he's able to help uh forestall any potential locker room tension going forward we'll see what Kyrie's uh whether his wandering eye starts to become an issue in a couple of years but deandre jordan is not a four-year 40 million dollar player especially at his age which is 30 his overall effort level has really declined he's not the same athlete still a very good athlete at the center position but he really just never left the paint couldn't move now that's how the Nets generally play Jared Allen played pretty similarly to that uh but I do think there's gonna be a lot of matchups even this year and certainly going forward where Jared Allen might be a better player now maybe you could say that Jared Allen with DeAndre in the fold they really believe in him he could also be a trade candidate to try and build out this roster with some more support players but they still have uh, assets here um and i think also the last thing is this was probably what was supposed to happen before the achilles i don't see how this changed anything I and mean, maybe you could say kd would have just gone to the the knicks by himself if he weren't hurt uh but i don't know why that would have changed anything and 
clearly the Nets had something up their sleeves. I mean, they made that Allen Crab trade on June 4th. That was before KD even got hurt, obviously. So I think this was in the works for a long time. The fact that DeAndre joined up, he got this contract there. KD and Kyrie taking less. I mean, that all needed to be worked out in advance. So uh, despite the fact that there seemed to be some drama over with KD after the Achilles tear, seems like this was kind of what was in mind for a while. The one report was that with Kawhi actually reaching out to KD to see what he was doing, that maybe gave KD a little bit of pause. He wanted to listen there, but ultimately ended up going with the Nets. Do you want to go from there to Kyrie's former team? Because I think... No, no. I, I mean, I think we got to talk more about the... I, I know. It's sure. like I, I mean, we're going to be here forever. I realize that. But I mean, like, we got to talk about what this team's going to look like on the floor next year, too. I, I sure. think... Um, you know, the, and then also potentially an extension for Torian Prince. Yeah, uh, Who, who's going to have who's going to have a big part to play for this season? Yeah, because yeah, he could be that stretch for uh, as well. Um, that's an issue. Um, and obviously Levert. So there's a, a lot going forward here. I mean, they're not they're done with having cap space for the foreseeable future. Certainly, uh, you know they they and if they extend Prince and Levert, you know they might not even be able to use the full mid level next year. And we'll see whether Joseph Sai is going to take over. You know what's his appetite for luxury tax going to be? But I, so I mean, this team if is assume KD never comes back. I don't know. Are they that much better than last year? Maybe a little bit. Well, and that ties in with another nuance that we we probably can't dwell on but we can mention is that it sounds like the way Durant and Irving are going to make this kind of work in terms of bringing in DeAndre Jordan is through unlikely bonuses that's you know we don't nothing has been made official yet but that's kind of what it sounds like and that makes sense because then you could theoretically make the money back one of the problems though is first of all Durant's not playing most if not all of the years so any performance-based things are going to be tough for him to to meet and the Brooklyn Nets made the playoffs and you know when they didn't win they didn't win the first round but like they made the playoffs last year so certain times there are front offices that like there was the the genius that Ellsberg did with Miami in 2017 even though it helped them sign bad contracts with unlikely bonuses that were actually pretty likely those things are a lot harder to do in this circumstance than they would be for some other teams and so maybe Kyrie and Katie are actually leaving real money on the table here yeah they could be but I mean the money is just so enormous now in the NBA that it it kind of just doesn't really matter that much I mean I, I think everyone knew that these guys are max players they don't need the ego boost of being a max player maybe like a, a younger guy does but yeah it'd be interesting to, to try to work out the incentives we could talk more about that once we actually find out what they end up doing but yeah I mean the team it's probably got to be team-based incentives for KD because you know he's not going to play next year so uh and but coming up with those team-based incentives I mean they could come up maybe it's like do they have a better offensive efficiency than last year or something like that you could it would be deemed unlikely you know that you can use whatever you want on like nba.com stats now so um yeah and i also think that garrett temple for the room exception is going to end up being a, a pretty quality signing for you know, just someone who can hit the three and defend uh you know he's age is a concern there age 33 but uh i i don't think they're gonna do much better with that i think i think they did well there and temple's another good locker room vet and another guy who's probably gonna be thrilled to be on a team that's competitive yeah <laughs> and another thing i wish we would have more time to talk about is just how incredible an achievement this is for the nets to get yes. to this point when they just in 2015 when they stretched darren williams they just had absolutely absolutely nothing on this roster and they just threw being a, a super fun site i mean they they got d'angelo russell who 
you know ultimately isn't part of this but he did get them to the playoffs last year and, and that was big Dinwiddie they picked up completely off the scrap heap Levert they traded uh, Thaddeus Young who was one, like the one piece they had left basically to get uh, his pick they took on bad contracts to get uh, Jared Allen they're able to trade for Prince that they used some first rounders for but I mean to get to this point without having control of any of their own first rounders and being really bad now hopefully people aren't going to use this as like oh this is why the draft is is ridiculous you know you could do it that okay number one you're in brooklyn and number two they were managed incredibly well and they're also willing to go through three years of or at least two years of hell and finally i guess it was three years 15 or 16 17 18 um Another quick thing too, Jared Dudley said this a couple days ago that in Brooklyn, you actually get to experience more of New York because you can live in the city, whereas the Knicks practice facility is in Westchester, which is pretty far away. So it's tougher to actually live in the city. You got this long commute. So maybe that's a, a little part of things. Well, and that next practice facility well, and is unbelievable. Not only the practice facility, but they have a highly regarded medical staff that just happens yeah. to include the physician who did come to rant surgery. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that Durant, like, I don't think he's even been back to the Bay since tearing his Achilles. That that probably wasn't a great sign in retrospect for uh, for Golden State. And there's talk that uh, Bob Myers and Steph Curry were going to go and try and meet with them. Uh, and I don't know even if that meeting ever happened, but it obviously was uh, not particularly persuasive. Or Well, he said he couldn't be recruited, so maybe he couldn't be persuaded either. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's get to Golden State now. Uh, they, in what is going to be, I believe, the first double sign-and-trade in league history, the first one that I can think of. KD is going to be sign-and-trade. He's going to cooperate there. I'm not sure if the Nets are getting anything in this yet. Maybe they're just trying to do Russell a solid, and KD wanted to help out Golden State to whatever degree. Uh, but... D'Angelo Russell is going to sign a full max deal with Brooklyn, four years, $117 million, starting at the current max of... 27.025 million oh by the way the the cap was set you remember that that was, that was like, <laughs> yeah slight, slightly yeah. higher than the projections so that that led to slightly higher maxes and you know a few little a few little ripple effects but not 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 as much as i kind of thought it might at least yet we'll see what happens with yeah. the lakers money so to as soon as we saw that d'angelo russell was coming to golden state i had actually thought about this possibility a couple of days ago and i said no way it's ever going to happen because golden state even if they get rid of everything that's not tied down green iguodala thompson on his new max which he has agreed to five years 190 million no player option no no trade clause just like steph curry they would only have 30 million below the hard cap if they kept their four key guys got rid of everything else that wasn't tied down and if russell took up 27 million of that or even less they just like couldn't even field the team so as soon as I saw that the Russell trade was actually happening, he was getting the max, you knew that Iguodala was gone. What they did to get rid of Iguodala, what are the terms of that trade with Memphis where he'll be going into the Mike Conley trade exception with Utah? Hey, remember that, by the way? That was that was only a, like a week Yeah, ago. another trade that hasn't been consummated yet. The, 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 fun, <laughs> the fun of the NBA of like how all these things get structured is they can all build on each other, including I have a, some crazy hypotheticals where the Alan Crabb trade ends up being fo- folded into everything else. So, but anyway, let's get back to this one so Iguodala was treated as a pretty heavy negative asset in this because what the Warriors gave up beyond so they traded him into the trade exception no returning salary and the Warriors are also sending a first round pick it it conveys in 2024 if it is fifth or worse 
then it, if if they if it if the Warriors pick one through four that year, it conveys in 2025, where it is only top one protected. And then theoretically, if the Warriors get the first pick in 2025, the Grizzlies get their unprotected 2026 first. And a really nice piece of business for the Grizzlies to push this obligation so far out because the further out you go, the more uncertainty there is. And in the Warriors case, the older their core key players are. So it's... Well, but they're going to be so well managed, though, that they'll surely be good by then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's... I mean, it, it's it's crazy from... So they treated Iguodala as this hugely native asset. Now, a part of the reason that might have happened is cap space was evaporating all around the league, and so there weren't as many teams that could facilitate. Now, there are still a couple of ridiculous ones that could make yeah. sense. And- I, I mean, you know what it might have been is that with this Dragic trade falling apart, similar size salary to Iguodala, and maybe, you know, similar quality player, potentially too, different position, obviously, um, that maybe they just felt like, all right, we better get this done now. Now, and we got to beat Miami to this because Miami obviously has this huge impetus as oh don't worry we'll get to that too uh but maybe <laughs> that's why but but I mean the the lack of protections in particular to me is just insane they could be really bad I mean it's five years from now yeah you know, there's there's uh, or, or oh, and, and, and it now. can and it could be even if their talent level is high they just have an injury you know like yeah. there's there's so much that can change when you when you trade picks yeah. I mean we talked about this in the Anthony Davis deal where even if things work out in the immediate it five years from now it could be a completely different circumstance well and also i mean maybe you say okay that pick is so far away that they're they had to pay a premium in terms of not protecting it but like i, I mean i think equidal is worth his contract for a good team yeah he's he's I mean, worth his contract just, or close to it and so yeah. it's kind of like i, I mean maybe the tj maybe the tj warren spot, you know? the tj warren trade where you know the suns kind of treated him as almost pure like dead salary even though he's a capable of basketball players kind of like that they're the lack of suitors but i my theory is that this was actually more impatience than anything else because yeah i, I think it was kind of like a panic trade it was i mean it smacks of oh my god we got to make a splash we just lost kitty like it, you know that's what, what it kind of seems like well, no I mean, so no here here's here's the point yeah. that i want to make i i think the d'angelo russell thing might have been in motion for longer there's been some reporting out there that iguodala yeah. was informed of this possibility however the way to play this out is to say somebody's gonna have money left when the music stops that's just the way this works and instead of overpaying on something else you can do it and considering what the warriors gave up it's hard to imagine that they could have that they would have been squeezed for less favorable terms by waiting three days to see who had cap space left well and let me tell you this too i i mean maybe they felt like they had to get it done with russell because they i mean i think they felt an urgency to get it done too because russell by all accounts was the number two choice for the lakers no no what, so, no what i'm saying here is they can get russell and say hey we're gonna figure the other part of it well out. but but that's not good enough for d'angelo russell maybe it's not if i were his agent i would say no way like because you know you have these hard cap issues and it could just not not work out if they can't move on from iguodala and yeah iguodala we might say hey he's he's a really good player but he can't play that many minutes during the regular season and while in a vacuum, he's probably worth it compared to some of these contracts uh, that are going out. Uh, you can say that, but if there isn't a specific destination, then maybe you need to pay up to move on from him. And so with the Lakers being probably D'Angelo Russell really wanted to go there as his second choice or maybe his first choice even but he was just worried that they're going to get Kawhi and that would evaporate Minnesota is was talking to Russell about coming there but they would have either had to get the Nets to agree to a sign and trade and get a third team to take Jeff Teague or 
and maybe a little bit more to get Russell to his max, or they would have had to just straight up dump someone that probably would have been Andrew Wiggins. And I don't know about you, but with the way the market is going, I don't see who that team would have been. You thought maybe the Bulls, but they signed Thaddeus Young now. Uh, and Miami can't pawn off Dragic on anyone. And, you know, Teague is probably a pretty similar situation in terms of money and player to Dragic, both coming off of difficult issues. So I know I'm rambling here, but I'm kind of, I mean, it's, it's been so nonstop. This is really my first chance to really think about things. Uh, so maybe Minnesota wasn't going to work out. Phoenix uh, already got their guy with Ricky Rubio. Orlando doesn't have any space anymore. So, you know, I think if you're uh, Aaron Mintz, D'Angelo Russell's agent, you're like, all right, we need a firm commitment right now because it's either here or the Lakers, but the Lakers might not be there. If they get Kawhi, then I got nowhere to land at all. Um, so I, I think that's that's really interesting to think about where else he might have been. But from the Warriors' standpoint, they wanted to strike quickly before Russell could maybe go somewhere he liked even more, uh, which would have been the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers are going to be a lot better than the, the Warriors this next year, uh, almost certainly, uh, unless they have injuries. So that's uh, so now you, though, you get to the point of, I mean, do you have anything to, to, to react to that at all? There's, I, I wanted to kind of move to a slightly different aspect here. Uh, no, I... I mean, I, I understand the, the, the kind of ticking clock ideas. And, and this is a functional human thing where if Russell thinks the deal is going to fall apart, I, I think that there can be a sales pitch of we'll make we'll make it work. Like they could have found a home for Iguodala. It's not that that egregious a contract. And also they could have, you know, there are other, other ways it could have happened. But yeah, I, I mean, understand. Stretching him probably would not have created. No, it space, wouldn't. Though. It wouldn't have. And. So, well, uh, it, you, if you have an idea of where you want to go, I have like three well, other things that three other avenues that should be pursued. Well, well so I, I imagine this will overlap with you. Yes. I, I'll set you up here. What the hell are the Warriors doing? Like this contract for Russell is bad. He's not that good. I know he was an all-star. We talked about it ad nauseum on the show. He was an all-star, an undeserving injury replacement in a shallow conference last year. The fit with Steph Curry, uh, the fact that you also had to lose Andre Iguodala and give up this first for the privilege of way overpaying him. And now you're hard capped this year. You're, you're, it's going to be impossible probably to be even remotely competitive this year. A anything else I'm missing? <laughs> like, well, so, so, so there are the, yeah, the, there are a lot of opportunity cost issues here to go through, but the, there are two theories. I already have a, I will have a piece that's out at the athletic probably by the time most people listen to this. And the end of it was why the hell did the Warriors do this trade? And I could come up with two different theories. One of them is they really like D'Angelo Russell. Now you and I don't love D'Angelo Russell. We are, we question the fit, all of those sorts of things, but there are, uh, oh, oh, they also, they also have a point guard, by the way. Did, did, did I mention that? Yeah. Th but that maybe, they have so, what, the second best point guard of all time is on the team and is still you know in or close to his prime so it's not like you have the circumstance of russell replacing curry you curry still has three years left on his contract but so let's say the warriors really like russell maybe they think that being in a in a in kerr's beautiful game system will unlock more that he can be a different player let's say that's the case so that's one theory of it and these these two ideas are not mutually exclusive necessary the second is is a more interesting one to me and that is the idea of russell as a long-term asset and so the idea there is, even though you and I disagree with some of the teams that were there, it did seem like there was interest, at least from Minnesota, maybe from other teams, in D'Angelo Russell at exactly the salary that the Warriors got him for. So the idea there would be, yes, Kevin Durant's leaving and it would have been hard. Like maybe they could have created a trade exception, but that's a little bit challenging to move because it's all like misfit. It's, you're, you're getting guys that other teams want to trade, typically all that kind of stuff. But if Russell has a constituency 
then theoretically it is a lot easier because you can do more with a player than a trade exception, especially if it's a positive value thing, which to some people he is, then at some point, maybe 2020 trade deadline, more likely 2020 offseason, then you can do more with that. And, you know, if, if, if the Warriors are thinking of this as either a partial or full loss season, then Iguodala provides less value. And so that's the other concept here, is that they can get more with D'Angelo Russell at some undetermined point in the future than basically the mid-level exception, retaining the other guys that they're going to lose because of this. And I don't necessarily agree, I don't agree with either of those rationales, but I could see Bob Myers in their front office believing in one or both. Yeah, and the other rationale is, okay, we just have to get younger at some point, right? I mean, they've talked many times about, oh, we want to be the Spurs. We want to keep these dynasties going. Yeah, what, uh, one of the ways that they could have gotten younger is by actually drafting good players over the last few years. That would help. Yeah, I mean, they're drafting late in the first round, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, although uh, many of their draftees we were not high on at the time didn't really seem to make a, a ton of sense. But, you know, I mean, the thought is, hey, maybe D'Angelo Russell becomes a superstar and we're now able to, as Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, who we'll talk about in a second too, age that he'll be on the come and will will be pretty good so a couple of ways i want to look at what this is, is going to be on, on the floor I, I completely disagree with that assessment russell is at his best in pick and roll he's a floor raiser he hasn't been efficient yet in his career he doesn't really get to the basket now maybe you can say he could be an off-ball player uh showed a little bit of that at ohio state playing the two the curry russell defensive backcourt is not gonna be amazing but russell is gonna put up some stats as the number two guy before clay thompson comes back steph curry won't have to play as many minutes in theory so let's talk about what the team on the floor is going to look like next year. They'll have Draymond Green. They have, so Steph Curry's your one. D'Angelo Russell is your two. Clay Thompson is starting the year on the bench. Your three is, oh, well, let's add this in too. They got Trayvon Grand. They got Shaz Napier. Uh, both of those guys are on close to minimum deals. Bring back Alfonso McKinney. They got Damian Jones, 2 million. Jacob Evans, 2 million. Uh, Jordan Poole, 1.9 million. And then they'll probably bring in uh, Smilaj Geach and Eric Pashal uh, at the rookie minimum. You got McKinney still. That puts you at, and we're going to assume that they can get off of Sean Livingston's uh, two million guaranteed for this year. They push that guaranteed date back. Um, possibly, possibly even in the Memphis deal. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, as much as they're giving up, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Memphis could could take that off, and and, and that the, they got plenty of room in that trade exception. Hopefully, so now you've got. 13 guys in theory, maybe Smiley Beach is, a, is on a two-way, but you only got 5.3 million still below the apron. And they have nothing even approximating a three. Alfonso McKinney looks like you're starting three. Him, he and Travion Graham are competing. You are pretty darn likely to lose Kavon Looney here as well. Demarcus Cousins, there's absolutely zero chance he's going to be back now. Even at the 6.4, they can't even pay him that. Uh, the 120% raise he would have gotten last time. Quinn Cook, they get the, the one thing they have is a bunch of guards, so there's no point in, in paying him. They might even pull his qualifying offer. Uh, Jordan Bell, again, I mean, his qualifying offer, uh, $1.8 You know, maybe maybe he comes back. But, but I mean, Looney, an, I mean another yeah. team could easily make, it wouldn't even be a troll offer sheet. Like, they could make a reasonable offer sheet to Jordan Bell and the Warriors couldn't match. Yeah, and you could have the second year be non-guaranteed or something if they didn't want to keep him beyond one year. And even Looney, you know, I mean, they... they yeah, they've got 5.3 million below the hard cap, but they really have no other way to move salary now. I mean, maybe you could say they could dump Jacob Evans and Damian Jones 
at this point and then maybe you could bring back looney at like five million a year or something like that uh looney was supposedly meeting with the rockets but the rockets used a lot of their mini mid-level on daniel house already so it sounds like looney's gonna have to go elsewhere maybe boston could be a landing spot for him uh with the room exception but yeah i don't think they can afford looney uh because i mean you got to have room to operate like if someone suffers a season ending injury you got to just you have to sign more players you have to get up to 14 players for most of the year uh, and you cannot go over that for any reason there's no exception nothing can get you over that hard cap and they are very very limited right now i mean even if you uh, and i i'm throwing in also a, a vet minimum guy to get to that 5.3 million this is all a, a little fluid but uh, to talk about it another way let's say you get rid of everyone on the roster yeah let's say you get rid of everything on the roster other than d'angelo draymond clay and steph you would have 20 million dollars to fill out 10 roster spots and the veterans minimum is 1.6 million so and then you know we get into all these guys who are there who are cheap already but there, there's really just no way to afford looney uh unless he comes back for like two million dollars or something yeah it would be it would be crazy and the warriors may end up either through necessity or practicality doing something that the rockets and i would consider this to a vague degree an innovation that daryl Morey did last year which is signing guys for the minimum and then trading them during the season so that none of their money counts and then getting other guys like it's a possibility just to clear a slight bit of but the hard cap is all still there like yeah it's just there's so little flexibility here that the warriors have to go through it and i want to go well, i want yeah, yeah so, and just yeah yeah sorry go ahead uh, but i i want to go i know you answer that because i want to go big picture after well this. well yeah 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 so so then i mean next year you know all right maybe they'll probably get you know there'll be a great destination for a veterans minimum guy who could either start at the five or the three you know you got a lot of playing time here but yeah i mean they got pretty good high and talent and maybe clay comes back towards the end but it's uh, and but i i, I mean I, the depth is going to be so atrocious I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs or not. I mean, especially just an injury. And how are they ever going to stop anybody? I mean, Draymond Green is the one good defensive player on this roster now. That's I mean, exactly, I mean, and that's exactly where I was going to go. So the Warriors have this reputation fueled by members of the national media, casuals, all sorts of things about you know the three ball and being a jump shooting team and and all of that jazz. The reason the Warriors were the dynasty, you know, that that is now like very likely over is not because I mean the being an elite offense all-time offense was a big part of it but it's because they combined that with a defense that was typically strong and then could ramp it up to ridiculous levels and it is extremely hard to see them getting back to that at any point in the near future because they don't have a ton of flexibility moving forward and the types of players you know I've talked before about the critical mass of intelligence and physical skill and all that kind of stuff and if D'Angelo Russell is on the team long term that's largely out the window and if just with some of the conceptions here it seems like the defensive side of this is there and so what's so funny about that is you and i talked about the idea of maybe the warriors what in in not fully punting on the season but one of the things they do is they just go really offensive let steph run the show and just see where it goes i never thought they would do it to this degree well and they don't have any depth even for that approach either you know i i mean who are they gonna go three guard with Shabazz, Napier, Curry, and and Russell. I, you know, I mean, maybe they'll get a, a guy or two, but I mean, this hard cap is just so so daunting at this point in time. Um, so I mean, the counterfactual would have been okay. No Russell. Let's just you know, let's uh, will not be hard cap. Let's see if we could trade Sean Lee. if they're willing to give up this first round pick 
They probably could have done pretty good just giving up that pick for uh, guaranteeing enough of Sean Livingston's salary that you could bring someone back and, and paying a team to take him on. And, you know, Jay Crowder was a, a thought for Memphis. You know, if you got Crowder in to, to play the three, uh, you get one more shooter with the mini mid level. You know, I mean, I thought the way we did it in the mock off season, it's probably realistic. They got Ellington at, at the mini mid level. You start Ellington and Crowder. And then when Clay comes back, uh, you can move Ellington to the bench. You got pretty decent uh shooting you could play draymond at, at center some and still hope to stop people and you might be able to bring back looney you might even be able to bring back cousins that way uh i mean cousins market certainly doesn't seem to be developing at all uh you could bring back maybe jordan bell as well you could bring back queen cook and you know yeah if clay didn't come back full strength you're not going to compete for a championship this year but going forward you might be able uh, to do that now this year is a complete punt i guess clay thompson is now your long-term three which maybe is more realistic for him uh but he's not a good help defender at the three uh but he i think he can guard most threes uh with his strength he's gonna be a little slower coming back from the acl will be older that makes some sense uh they have no one to guard the one now though draymond i mean that you're basically punting a year of steph curry and draymond green's prime uh so that next year they w- won't be that good draymond eligible for a four-year 99 million dollar extension now but he could get up to 157 from another team next year and the warriors could pay him five years 200 million i don't think they would do that uh but you know maybe there's a, a deal to be made there but well, if you're Draymond green why yeah, why would you want to commit to the warriors when there could be better teams that are available yeah and i mean there's gonna be so much money out there in 2020 I mean, there's this big spreading spree has reduced that but there's i mean Draymond green could be the best unrestricted free agent who might actually change teams next year and there's gonna be a lot of teams with money now now, maybe he just wants to retire a warrior and blah blah but you know I, I i'm not sure i would take that uh that four for 99 i mean he he it would be risk averse it's not really a rich paul move to do that supposedly draymond will be open to it we'll see whether he does that uh, or not but he could easily be out of here uh next year's well, and they would not have a appreciable cap space uh without him so no I, I mean i think the counterfactual is better and i just think russell is going to be a bad contract you know i just don't think he's that good that's what it ultimately they've moved heaven and earth to get him they've completely wasted this year to get him he's going to put up some stats because he and curry will be the only guys who can do anything next year so maybe he remains an attractive asset and they get something back and, and maybe that's that's the only way i i think this ends up happening i just don't see him becoming some superstar and and all of you people who are like oh man you guys are such warriors homers blah blah, blah like oh no wait till you hear us next year when, when they're really good we yeah we said they're really good uh uh, no that doesn't seem to be the case any longer just a, a lot of panic a lot of you know i mean was there really i mean they've got like what two guys in their front office that can make calls kirk Lakeup and bob myers right now so like can we say that they really canvassed the entire league to move iguodala without having to give up this lightly protected first uh bob looked so incredibly frazzled at that drafty press conference a, a week ago like he just couldn't wait to get out of there because he just had to go do more work uh he did get an extension by the way um and probably good for him because i don't know if this is going to go that well it's a good thing that he got his money um all right anything anything else on these guys that, that's probably enough here no i think that's about enough on them you can read my piece if you want a little bit more on them the mechanics of this that we don't know all the mechanics of this yet because of a, a few just kind of lingering threads um all right let's do a quick read here for our friends at helix sleep they have a two minute quiz that will allow you to match their mattress to your body type and sleep preferences i now own three helix sleep mattresses they are fantastic i found them even before i endorsed them i actually messaged their company twitter account and asked 
to endorse them that's how much i i like the product back when the the pod was starting i'm going to sleep so hard on that match just as soon as we're done i I don't think i remember another day where i had to put forth like this level energy constantly updating spreadsheets and trying to figure out scenarios and is this could there be a sign and trade uh do you remember that three-way sign and trade that might happen with like al horford and terry rozier and and kevin walker early in the day we're trying to figure out if that was gonna work that's not gonna happen now um but the way to get started with helix sleep is helixsleep.com slash cap space take that two minute quiz they will match you to a customized mattress that's going to give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. I mean, it's going to fit you perfectly because you filled out that sleep quiz. But if it doesn't, they will pick it up for you and you can return it risk-free. They are offering up to $125 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Get up to $125 off at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. All right, I'll, I'll let you... Uh, pick our next target here we've gone 42 minutes and we haven't talked about the overhaul that the philadelphia 76ers did which in many other july 1st or july 1st equivalents would be the biggest story in the league especially because basically it seemed like nobody saw this coming absolutely and so there's there are the kind of departure and arrival components of this that we can kind of I, i think you have to talk about the whole thing so i'll run through all of them departures jj reddick going to new orleans two years 26 and a half million. Jimmy Butler going to the Miami Heat if they can ever figure out how this signing trade is going to work. Joining the team, Al Horford at four years, 97 million with another 12 million incentives per Woj tied to championships. Josh Richardson dunked on favorite acquired presumably in the sign-in trade should it end up happening and we expect that it will and then retentions tobias harris five years 180 million no player option and mike scott two years 9.8 million well let's start here with the butler trade and all of that i know we're pivoting away from philly but i think we have to discuss the butler trade first because if it collapses all of this collapses for the sixers in theory uh Horford can probably still happen, but getting Josh Richardson is an enormous part of this uh, for Philly to get uh, that great defending fifth starter. The Butler trade, he's going to get the full max for Miami, four years, $141 million. He starts at $32.7 million coming in. That means that Miami has to send out basically 80% of that number and it ends up around $26 million, a little over that. The initial reported trade, so you knew that there had to be a third team here because Miami, much like the Warriors, receiving a player in the sign and trade, hard caps you at that apron, which is a little more than $6 million above the tax line. Miami, even if they stretch Ryan Anderson, would be well over that without dumping some salary. The initially described trade was that Goran Dragic, on the last year of his contract, $19 million contract, would go to the Dallas Mavericks to join his fellow Slovenian, Luka Doncic. That gets uh, the heat off of enough money that then they stretch Ryan Anderson and they got uh, enough room uh, to fill out their roster uh, under the hard cap. They, they, They get off of Dragic, stretch Anderson, they would be at 12 players and would have $7 million in room below the effort. Still a little tight, but enough to, to get things done. Then it comes out that the Mavericks, no, actually, we weren't interested in Goran Dragic. He costs a little bit too much money. We have some other stuff that we want to do. Whether that was Patrick Beverly being part of that, who knows? He's now a Clipper at three years, $40 million, the same amount that he was supposedly seeking from Dallas. No idea what Dallas has up their sleeve. We could talk more about them later. But that, that part of the deal is done. Then it's reported, no, no, it's actually Kelly Olenek and Derek Jones Jr., 
going out instead that still isn't enough to make the trade legal they would have had he would have had to guarantee and then throw in some other there are three guys that are basically making around the minimum yante Martin, duncan robinson and kendrick they would have had to guarantee those guys dump them on dallas further impacting dallas's cap space to make the trade legal and they're still not getting off of as much money as if they moved Dragic. so they have even more difficulties under the hard cap they're filling out a team especially once you've already gotten rid of these guys who are actually making less than the veterans minimum so that that was going to work so apparently there is some kind of a breakdown in communication between dallas and miami dallas thought they were getting olenic and jones miami thought they were getting Dragic. i don't know why dallas wanted olenic uh i mean i think i think he can be a helpful player but they still are going to bring back Matsi kleba hopefully they got dwight powell they got Porzingis. Why you need Kelly Olynyk making $13 million a year? I have no idea. Jones, though, I think is someone who could really help them. But I mean, I'd probably be more interested in Dragic personally, unless they have some other big move that hasn't happened yet that, that they're planning on doing. So now Miami is in the situation where they have to find another taker for Jimmy Butler, or I'm sorry, for, for Goran Dragic. And they're trying to work with his agent to send him somewhere he wants to go. Do you see an option here that is just other than Dallas, they can just take Dragic? It's going to be difficult. It is going to be difficult, especially because a lot of the teams that do have remaining spending power might want to use it in different ways. You know, like I could see a lot of them have point guards. The Clippers just re-signed Patrick Beverly. The Lakers want to do a bunch of other stuff with, with their money. The Knicks have Dennis Smith. Maybe they could be used as a facilitator here. But remember, Miami is also asset poor. So if a team starts to think of Dragic as a negative value contract, it's hard for them to add a whole lot to that. And if they don't want to give up Derek Jones or other things, it's and or bam, let's say, it gets it gets pretty hard. So I I think this will end up working, but it's also, I mean, I have, I think my biggest kind of as crazy as this is for Jimmy Butler potentially going to the Heat, the thing that I'm most fixated on in this is what the hell is Dallas doing? Because first of all, Dragic to me is is better than Olenek and Jones, absent knowing, without knowing everything that they could potentially want to do here with so many free agents signed and everything else, but also just, it's just such a strange situation. And so I, I expect Jimmy Butler will be on the Miami Heat next season, but it might take some real legwork to get from from A to B. Yeah, and it's a lot of those teams you mentioned that already have point cards and have the space to do this, you know, they're going to want an asset uh, to pick up a Dragic. I mean, maybe the Knicks could use him. You know, I mean, the Knicks don't really have a great solution at point guard, even with their signings. So don't forget, we'll get to that. I mean, they might might be wise for them to just take Dragic this year. I mean, it seems like they're trying to be better, I guess. Uh, yeah, and I'd really like to know what Dallas thinks uh, they're going to do here. Uh, that, you know, there's such a difference between, you know, they would have had about 11 million in space left if they had picked up Dragic and they would have had maybe 15, 16 million left if they had done the Olenek Jones thing instead. So what's what's the big difference there? I mean, maybe Beverly, but Beverly is now a Clipper. Uh, maybe this is Dallas just like trying to put the screws to Miami and this will get done, but Miami has to throw in an asset now to send Dragic there also. Uh, I really don't quite understand what Dallas is doing. We'll, I'll, we'll have to think about that more when we get to their section of, and, and talk about <laughs> which free agents are less. I mean, this is just insane. So uh, sorry, I know you tried to start with Philly there, but I, I think, I mean, I guess we'll assume this gets done but if it doesn't then jimmy butler i mean maybe he's out there again maybe it's you start looking at I mean, either the Lakers it, or 
Clippers? It seems like the Houston ship has sailed because, you know, using yeah. some of the minimum law, the, the, the things get too complicated for them at, at this juncture. And, and also, like, a lot of, remember, that tr- theoretical Jimmy Butler trade would have involved a lot of salaries moving out, and there are fewer places to send those now. You know, like, uh, granted, I would say Clint Capella and yeah. Eric Gordon are positive value contracts, but there are just fewer places to have those conversations. So, well, yeah, and the Heat are absolutely over a barrel right now. I mean, they, they made this commitment. Now, Butler's agent is Bernie Lee, and he doesn't have that many other clients. So maybe you can say, all right, if we piss off Bernie Lee, it's not the absolute. But this just makes you look so bad. But but also, the Heat want Jimmy Butler. Like, it's yeah. not a circumstance but, but where now, they I mean, want to get out of to, this contract. Yeah, I mean, but just like teams know they have to get rid of Dragic, like, but they don't really have a choice. I mean, and now teams are going to have them over a barrel. Uh I mean, we'll talk in a little bit about like whether this even makes sense for Miami and what the point of this all is anyway. Um, but back to Philly, assuming Richardson goes in the trade, your starting five is Ben Simmons at the one, Josh Richardson at the two, Tobias Harris at the three, Horford as the four, and Embiid at the five. That could be one of the best defensive starting fives of all time. The weak link being Tobias Harris is pretty strong, but who the second worst defender on that team is... <laughs> He's pretty incredible. I mean, Josh Richardson, yeah. one of my favorite perimeter defenders in the game. Ben Simmons has grown a lot and has a lot of physical potential. Horford, one of the smartest defenders, very versatile. And then Joel Embiid, who was under serious consideration for Defensive Player of the Year on my ballot last year. So it's an incredible group. Now, I think their their weak link defensively might be the moments when their offense really stagnates. And so then they have to get, up, get back in transition and all that kind of stuff. But as a half-court defensive lineup, it is filthy beyond belief yeah now horford age 33 you're signing him i mean he'll probably stagger with Embiid. you know brett brown loves his staggering he'll come in at backup center so hopefully the in the playoffs the we can't avoid hemorrhaging three points a minute when joel Embiid is off the floor problem will be solved you mentioned they also brought back mike scott sounds like the room exception for him but they've got about seven million in cap space still remaining here so they could either shunt scott into the room exception or uh use his non-bird rights pay him up to about 5.2 million dollars and then use the room exception on someone else i think they should just try to use their their remaining cap space uh backup point guards being issued they could also maybe bring back tj mcconnell uh who they have full board rights on but with the backup point guard market being the way it is i think mcconnell will probably have better offers elsewhere but they i mean they could pay him as much as they want it's just that he can't play in the playoffs because he can't shoot um they still have to fill out their bench other than scott and they've basically got seven million in cap space and minimums to do that the only other guys under contract for them right now are zaire smith jonah bolden and then matisse seibel uh smith and Thibel also like really excellent looking defenders as well i mean this is this team is we know they're going to stop people at least that scoring might be a little bit more of an issue so you just wonder about you know, you know this is definitely going for it you're replacing butler with horford you get better defensively i mean josh richardson is an incredible defender uh, as well uh, you've got a lot of switchability now you don't have that weak link and reddick like you did before but you don't have that great shooting either is horford you know a good enough spot up shooter at the four spotting up around pick and rolls uh, or Embiid post-ups that you really just like oh we can't leave this guy you know he's a solid three-point shooter but you know he's not JJ Redick either and, and then the age of Horford in particular defending the four 
as he gets older, will he have well, the quickness? Well, to do and that? you think about that with the risks we've with the risk of Joel Embiid his his body yeah. deteriorating. You might have two guys making a ton of money at largely the same kind of positional spot, and so that it could it could shade out it could shade out poorly. Also, this is a the series of moves. I think it puts more on the idea that Ben Simmons is a long-term part of this future. It seemed like that was going to happen anyway, but now yeah. they need his shot creation more with Jimmy Butler off the team. And while Richardson can, you know, Richardson has at moments in time done a lot for the Heat and Tobias Harris has picked up the workload, It losing Butler, I think, is it does put more on his shoulders. And so it's, you know, I, I talked, you know, I, I in my offseason preview back in the day for the Sixers talked about how building around Joel Embiid and building around Embiid and Simmons together was different. I think my interpretation is this is more of an Embiid-Simmons reconstruction rather than an Embiid-only one. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, it's it sounded to me like they weren't willing to go with the fifth year for Jimmy Butler. And I don't, who knows why it is that Butler wanted to be in Miami over being in Philly if the money was the same. Maybe there was just some anchoring or a feeling of disrespect or whatever. Um, maybe they didn't even offer him the four-year max. Who knows? I'd be interested to know that. But Harris, five for 180. You know, they got a $10 million discount off the max. I mean, that's that's not a great contract going forward. Horford's not a great contract going forward. And they, they lost Redick and replace him with Richardson yeah I mean that's probably an upgrade especially going forward considering uh the age risk the that uh Redick can't play that many minutes you know Richardson is a pretty good shooter but he, again he's not Redick I mean they really relied on uh, Redick being such a great compliment to Simmons uh, and Embiid with his shooting ability is this team better than paying up for Butler and Redick replacing them with Horford and Richardson does that make you better yeah that's probably more talent overall but Horford is older than Butler and they don't really have anyone who can run pick and roll uh Tobias Harris is really their closest guy there Simmons because he can't shoot it's tough for him to run pick and roll this does kind of make Simmons a little bit more dynamic you'd hope he's not just stuck in the dunker spot all the time uh you can find ways to give him the ball more often but I thought they really needed the shot creation of Butler down the stretch of games they maybe they you know there's a lot of reasons to like butler and a lot of reasons to not like butler i don't know if this team is better now i think they're better defensively uh, butler didn't do that well on that end i thought last year uh he had to get switched off of Kawhi in the playoffs and we'll see of course how they fill out the roster too i mean that's they would have had actually probably more options had they stayed over the cap and brought back Butler and Redick than uh, this current conception where they have to use cap space to sign Horford. Maybe there is some kind of sign and trade that could involve Boston that would enable them to stay over the cap and they could fold that in with the Butler sign and trade. Uh, but that's uh, too complex for us to deal with uh, at this particular moment. So, I mean, all right, overall, and who knows, maybe Butler on that same deal with New Orleans, or I'm sorry, Redick on that same deal with New Orleans. You imagine that if Philly had offered them that, he's closer to his home in Brooklyn, he would have just gone back for that. Uh, so it seems clear they didn't want to do that. They wanted to go in this direction instead. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think? Is, is Philly better off here, or would they have been better off just doing the bring everyone back scenario? If that were available to them, that's an important caveat. It's it's close. <sighs> I, I think they're better off because they... Getting those kind of like offensive players, you know, the spark plug type guys, I think that's going to be be doable for them. You know, they're not necessarily cheap and the, the market is 
pretty pretty full up already. But Reddick's contract, you know, he he wasn't. I don't think he's he'll, he'll age well because he he works hard. But like you think about kind of where that team was going financially, it would have been more complicated. This is at least more stable, though. Ben Simmons is going to get his raise because Josh Richardson is is on that team friendly deal for another few years. But I worry about their vitality offensively. I think that could end up being a big problem. And the Sixers are going to run into some really good defensive teams. That's just the way this works. And we don't know if it's going to be the Toronto Raptors or, you know, we'll see what, the, and we, we kind of know what the Bucks are going to look like now. But I think bogging down in those circumstances, you can be a really good defense and still get ousted because if the other team has guys that can hit shots and you're, you bog down in crunch time and all that, it can, it can fade away a little bit. So I think this puts, it's incredible that Brett Brown has another really challenging coaching job, but this is going to be a, a really big challenge for him yeah i still think actually maybe and there's reporting that they're already talking about an extension with ben simmons if he does agree to one he would effectively be untradeable uh, until next summer but simmons uh you know his lack of shooting is always a tough fit with Embiid offensively this to me puts a ton of pressure on Joel Embiid to be the offensive initiator especially down the end of games as well and we've seen him two years in a row now he's really failed to produce efficient offense in the second round of the playoffs good for him that one of his nemesis is now on his own team Horford um and you know if Kawhi leaves Toronto maybe there isn't really a, another team in the east that has a guy who can match up with Embiid but Embiid's got to be healthy this is a, a good way to get him there but he's a lot of pressure on him to really come into his own and be effective offensively in the playoffs as the offensive engine let's turn to Miami now I mean this transaction let's make the assumption that they move Dragic I think they're gonna have to give something else up to do that might be a first round pick they also gave up Josh Richardson very good player and you can even make the argument that Richardson is a better asset on his contract with two years left at basically 10 million and then a player option for 11.6 then butler will be on that four-year 141 million dollar deal that he's getting at age 29 there's a lot to give up for the privilege of getting jimmy butler on your team at you know a contract that may not age that well in theory the reason you pay that much for jimmy butler right now is because you're in contention but i, I don't see that just let's just go through Miami's lineup now position by position with what they have now that they don't have Richardson and probably aren't going to have Dragon. The one becomes an open question mark. I mean, if, if we're going to do it one through five, because they just they, they don't have a ton there. Um, yeah. I mean, is that just going to be Justice Winslow again or, or Tyler Hero? Are you thinking to start a rookie? Yeah, yeah Hero's a two anyway. So. Yeah, but maybe you could think that he you have enough guys that can defend ones that maybe yeah. you can go that direction and have some have a guy who can shoot. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Butler is certainly going to get all he can eat from a shot creation standpoint next year, that's for sure. It appears that way, yes. Um, So they still have, yeah, I mean, uh, Deion Waiters, uh, I guess now. And they actually are like kind of thin in the backcourt after having had so many of, the, of these guys around. You know, they don't have any kind of traditional point guard. So, I mean, I guess you're going to start wins slow maybe you start butler at the two or you could have a Deion waiters out there too as a as your secondary shot creator not a lot of shooting on this team. i mean the one guy you look at at a position because ryan anderson is going to get waved and stretched here to, to get under the hard cap I and mean, who's a good shooter on this team right now you know and, and again they're so limited under the hard cap uh as far as what they'll be able to do going forward well and on top of that the heat don't have many positive value contracts so yeah. re reforming this team we talked about that a little bit with brooklyn with the remaining pieces they have like lavert and dinwiddie if those guys don't work they can move them james johnson negative value contract Dion waiters negative value contract olenic seems like a negative value contract maybe it's a little bit maybe yeah. it's a little bit more even than that white side negative value contract so 
that it reforming. Yeah. I mean, maybe they just stretch us on. I mean, it's, it's a possibility. I mean, hey, why, why the hell not? I mean, they're just. I mean, this is just. Well, I mean, the 2020 project is basically blown up by this as well. It it looks like it. You know, with adding Jimmy yeah. Butler's 34.4 million there, it it it, it largely does that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're done. And when you throw in the stretch of Anderson too, yeah, they're not doing anything again. Not that there's anyone to get in 2020, but. Right. So this Heat team, I mean, I I expect that is with, with tooling around, I think that they'll be able to get a capable veteran point guard for the minimum just because they'll have playing time and opportunity to offer. But that's, that you know, that'll move the needle a little bit. But they're, you know, I would say they're probably a playoff team, but I, don't, I wouldn't feel confident knowing what we know right now that they're going to win a series. So that's a lot to commit. They don't have... I mean, I don't know if they're better than last year. I don't know that, I don't know that they are either. I mean, maybe, maybe they can be healthier. Yeah. That's a and they already were a pretty good defensive team. And I, I mean, they could be awesome. Like a Linux probably going to have to start at the four. I guess Bam starts at the five. Yeah, they're, they're relatively thin. Uh, they're going to be really athletic. I don't really see anyone else that they can trade at this point. They're already out that unprotected first rounder that uh, now belongs to the Clippers uh, in 2021. So yeah, this seems like at best a lateral move. You know, maybe uh, I don't see any that's getting them into the top half of the East. So yeah, they're kind of right in the 35 to 45 win range again to me and they gave up uh, some assets uh, to do it so uh and may have to give up more to to move off of drugs i mean now if they can hold on to drug i mean to me it makes a lot of sense to hold on to drug if there's anyone else that you could move but uh he's the only expiring contract he and white's out are the only expiring contracts that they have and again there's just not the space out there without significant inducements to take on that money especially with as we said andre guadala going into that memphis trade exception other thing we should have mentioned about the warriors too that we didn't is uh they're going to get 30 probably 30 million although some of russell's coming back into into one of those for for kd but they're going to get a big trade exception for iguodala and maybe that's part of their thinking that they can use that next year once the hard cap expires which which could be the impetus depending on how do it to try to push this trade back kind of as as many days as they can because the way a trade exception works is it's one year from that point so the warriors would much prefer it happening on july 10th or 12th than happening on the 6th yeah so i back to the heat though this is uh this is kind of head scratcher i i did like it's a win now move that i I don't think reasonably gets you to win now i mean unless now you could say jimmy butler and and then next year you know with him at age 30 you're gonna somehow get someone else or make a trade or whatever and hey jimmy butler can recruit someone i don't know i I don't really get it and also having jimmy butler on the team not that justice winslow is so important that adding somebody to do it i just think the theory of justice winslow is a lot less interesting now you know that if you have jimmy butler taking some ball handling granted if you don't have a point guard then i guess there are plenty of plenty of dribbles to go around between those guys it's a strange roster to figure out and it's also an older roster not exclusively but it's an older roster i think when you you know like waiters and johnson and whiteside and jimmy butler himself like it's it's not a when you when you age this team out let's say two years some players will definitely be better bam justice winslow presumably they're young they're youngsters as well but overall in the aggregate i don't think it it time the passage of time particularly helps them and that's really troubling when we're talking about you know maybe a playoff team probably not going to win a series if it's hard for them to get a lot better and they're asset poor it's it's not exactly a rosy picture maybe they start tyler harrell yeah very very well might uh just to, to get some kind of shooting um let's just talk about dallas now since uh, we kind of got onto them a, a little bit here still sitting on 30 million in space 
They did agree to a three-year, $11 million a year extension with Dwight Powell. We had feared when that was announced that you generally don't take an extension for less than what you're making in the last year. And that, in fact, is the case. Really don't care for that extension for Powell paying over $10 million a year for a big who is not really big enough to start for you. Offensively, maybe could be a good fit next to Porzingis as a dive guy. But Powell's already 27 right now. And so to get, as a guy completely reliant on athleticism, his age 28 through 30 seasons locked up at 11 million a year where else was this offer coming for him i mean next year is probably gonna be pretty crazy but still i mean he's not a starter he's not really any good defensively he can't really move his feet and switch he's not really a much of an intimidator at the room he is a a good role man to be sure but for a team where you've already got christos porzingis and you're probably gonna bring back moxie klepa i mean maybe they felt like paul is kind of their starting center uh but they've also got the 30 million in cap space to maybe bring in another big as well so i really did not understand that move uh i think he is well overpaid now and he's going to continue to be well overpaid as he he goes past his athletic prime Um, Uh, can can i do a very small soapbox here yeah i've heard people talk about powell's fit with porzingis and a lot of times people use the opportunity of a versatile player especially if they have unusual skills for their position as like oh man they fit really well with player x who's a lot more limited you know what generally works better than that another versatile guy so like yeah okay you could play Dwight Powell with Kristaps Porzingis alternatively you could play somebody who can shoot and play defense next to him and you're gonna be even better like it's uh, ready for a live reaction the Corey Joseph thing oh three or 37 to to the Kings oh oh we'll we'll get to the Kings yeah I I don't know if they did that uh okay but but okay so, so so Dallas so the, so Dwight Powell that's that's into the future but there are some ramifications there. Kristaps Porzingis five years, one hundred fifty eight million. That is the full boat max for him. No protections for injuries. Apparently, I think it was Tim McMahon had this that they didn't even push for it for injury protection or games clauses. And you could argue that not only because he's yeah. dealing with a, a, an ACL, you know, torn ACL that he missed the last season and a half, but also he's a really tall dude who's dealt with lower body issues earlier in his career. So just for protection, we thought we'd see something more Joel Embiid-esque. I offered you like a slight discount instead of doing protections, which you ended up taking. And so that's that's a strange piece of risk management from the Mavericks. Yeah, and I mean, they didn't, Porzingis, by all, no indication that there's a player option on that deal uh you know maybe they feel comfortable about where he's at having been in their building for a while rehabbing they are deemed to have a a pretty good medical staff there but yeah that's uh i would have hoped to get something there but although we did talk about that like with Embiid, where essentially like it would have had to be clear his career was over and he would have had to have been waived like with the structure of that deal so this one doesn't kill me too much and maybe they could have tried you know Chris Apps seems uh, a little prickly they also don't seem to be concerned uh, uh, about the rape allegations that he's facing right now either uh uh, although it looks like that's going to go in the direction of a civil suit but th- they're apparently undeterred by that i have no idea whether those allegations are true or not but they seem to to believe that they're not going to be an issue you would think with uh this offer having been extended well and and so something else that happens with the dwight powell money and porzingis getting the full boat is 
we I had become really fascinated with the idea of Dallas becoming more flexible or being a spender in 2021. That is the final year that Luka Doncic is on his rookie scale contract. They have Tim Hardaway's expiring if he's still if he's still on their team at that point. And Powell, even by himself, unless he's considered a positive value contract at that point, it gets a lot harder to be really aggressive that year, especially because I think this portends that depending on what Dallas ends up doing with their space, I think they're more open to a long-term contract, which would then take that off the table. Yeah. Uh, again, I, the Paul thing didn't make any sense. So I want to know what the hell their their plan is with this $30 million that's left over. Maybe we can talk about that at the end as we go through the remaining free agents uh, and who has space left and see what maybe what their plan could be. Because Beverly, who they're linked to, is gone now. Maybe the thought was if they got Dragic, they couldn't quite fit in Beverly. Supposedly, they are hopeful. There's also a report that they uh, can get there with Moxie Kleba, but that hasn't been agreed to yet uh let's do a quick one here new orleans signing jj reddick two years around 26 million i think that is excellent value for new orleans to to get uh, maybe the best pure shooter on the market who wasn't uh in the star category now the question becomes is reddick going to come off the bench or is lonzo ball going to come off the bench uh, next to drew holiday i would probably be starting reddick but certainly ball uh, can play a lot as well i mean the question was are they going to get enough shooting around zion and the drafting of jackson hayes looked and acquiring ball and ingram none of those guys really shooters that was a little bit questionable but getting reddick i think it is a great recovery there i think alvin gentry can find some pretty good ways to use them they got a lot of good passers on this team reddick lo- loves to run so i i think he'll be a really good fit there then they got a lot of big versatile defenders uh, on this team to where he's probably not going to hurt you too much and then it appears that with the remainder of their space just about you know they'll probably have about three million or so left after this they are actually going to trade for the non-guaranteed contract of Derek favors and will certainly guarantee it from utah who uh, uh, got Boyan Bogdanovich, which we'll talk about in a second. So, and then their last move, uh, they picked up with what's likely going to be the room exception, I would imagine. Uh, Nicola Melli, who is a combo forward. I don't know if I would call him a stretch four. He shot it well from three, but didn't take that many attempts the last couple of years. He's, uh, you know, 2.5 attempts a game in 26 minutes, but shot it over 40%. But he's he's got pretty good size. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll deploy him more a, as a shooter, uh, but hopefully he can guard the three or the four uh, a little bit. Try to get you a little more of a scouting report on him as time goes on so what what does this team look like now with these moves and likely being done just about done here other than the uh yeah pretty much done here i think at, at this point in time I and mean, they'll be at 14 players and 15 if they want to uh guarantee uh dyrus Burton. yeah so i don't i i like a lot of the moves this there's there's some parallels here with a couple other front offices that i like a lot of the asset management stuff and a lot of the moves that that griffin has made but i am not as in love with the final what looks like the final product at least in the immediate as i think some are favors talented guy i you know I, I wonder if there's more to him than we saw in utah just because of everything that they run and and, and well, well more to him in what way? like defensively he can be more versatile and then yeah, i mean he was playing center on on yeah. uh, you're talking about like switching more yeah maybe like what i don't know what's yeah that kind of a scheme stuff where maybe especially because they have some other sw- some switchy defenders potentially depending on how they structure it but spacing is going to be a problem and I, I mean ingram has at moments in time hit shots but he has never been a particularly aggressive shooter and that's a really important threshold that i think gets lost all the time it's more important 
if if you take shot if you make shots but you don't do it enough of a volume that teams are going to defend you out there it doesn't matter nearly as much and yeah. at least at this juncture of his career Brendan Ingram uh, is, is I mean there. I think I think they're going to need to have either Redick or Etuan Moore on the floor most of the time unless Lonzo Ball and Ingram just like take massive strides for his shooters which I wouldn't want to count on right and maybe they end up being a team similar to what Sacramento dealt with at moments in time this year which is they're a much better transition offense than half court offense and that, oh, that they are going to destroy that what, people and that what system. swings it is just how high can their transition frequency go can they push this to the nth degree enough to have a functioning offense and if they can then then that's a good way to do it and I think favors helps them defensively they have a lot of capable players and then Drew obviously was is a, a, a wonderful defender and Zion is in a, in a more manageable position also getting Derek favors doesn't put as much heat on Jackson Hayes immediately and considering the incredibly quick rise that he had through the ranks and to become a to become a top 10 pick it makes sense to do that and so I like that this can be kind of an evaluation year and they still have enough spending flexibility by getting favors on that non-guarantee that they could they can pivot if they need to with pretty much anybody on their roster but it's I don't know it's yeah well favors is going to get guaranteed obviously no what i mean is like after this season so like because favors it sounds like what they're doing is they're just keeping favors on this contract as opposed to giving him an extension or something new oh yeah 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 they're not just signing him in cap space they're just getting him exactly and and it seems like part of the reason that's happening is i mean we don't know this for sure yet but part of it could be that their other teams most notably the knicks even though they've used a crap ton of money on bigs and favors would have been better than like every contract they signed today but that they that somebody could have jump the pelicans and just claim favors off waivers and that's within their rights if a team has cap space and wants to do it so they just simplify that and i think it's better for the pelicans that way because they don't make that long-term commitment they can use this as an evaluation year see what makes sense around zion figure out what the hell's going on with their guard rotation which of the guys they got from the lakers are long-term pieces and then hopefully with all that information and all the other assets that they've gotten in these other deals then you can actualize this team around whatever you think is your core yeah and they should be really good defensively this year they're gonna have a lot of athleticism i mean favors uh, took some real strides forward defensively the last few years i thought he's definitely ready to be uh, a starting center uh, on defense they've got a lot of mobility you know zion is probably going to start at the four um holiday and ball might is one of the best defensive backcourts in the lead ingram not a great help guy but they got plenty of guys to do that now he can kind of just uh, concentrate more on shutting guys down on the ball so yeah this is a very very interesting team and they do have a lot of guys who can make plays in iso they have a lot of good passers to hopefully make up for the lack of shooting and and we'll see this deal with favors is not done yet closing in on there may be a little bit of haggling uh, about compensation but you know everyone knows that utah has to trade him now because uh they got bogdanovich and there's really nowhere else from go i mean utah could just wave him if they wanted to and that could screw over the pels so you know the pels in theory should give them something to not just wave him uh but i think utah would like to do favors to solid as well he's been a, a good shoulder there for a long time it seems like new orleans is probably somewhere that he wants to go so you know i, I think new orleans giving up a, a reasonable second would be fair compensation here well and, and favors you know like he he's not from new orleans but he's from atlanta so i could imagine that having some appeal for him as well to be closer to where he grew up also so let's go to the jazz yeah here. let's do it uh, i mean that they're it, it's a Bojan bogdanovich four years 73 million is a ton of money like that is you know bogdanovich yeah 30 years old 30 years old and that's you know he hasn't been in 
he, he's been on a bunch of different teams now, had a really nice year kind of taking up some of the slack when Victor Oladipo got hurt. He took on a couple of different roles over the course of the season. But I, I think I'm less enthusiastic about this than some of the other the other feedback I've seen. Bojanovic is, is definitely a fine player, but I they're putting a lot now in the Rudy Gobert is an unbelievable defender basket because Bogdanovich, I think he's overrated on that end, on that end if they're going to play Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles at the forward positions. It's all, you know, that, that there are limitations there. Donovan Mitchell has at moments really been a good defender, but Mike Conley, you know, smaller, getting older, all that kind of stuff. Like there, this is a very fascinating Utah team and their, their offensive ceiling is the highest of any team in this recent vintage. But I don't, I don't love the the sum of their parts just yet. Offensively, I do. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. I mean, and this is now to replace Derek Favors and Jay Crowder with Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich, not a versatile pick and roll ball handler, but an effective one when he can get going to the, that right hand. And Quinn Snyder's system, where they run these eight million pick and rolls, uh, will set him up to do that. Some he is, can provide some more scoring uh, on the second unit as well. I mean, I think for this year it's pretty good. Obviously, I mean, we didn't mention this that they were probably going to get Nikola Mirotic. Shout out off season for like 15 million a year and then he just went back to play with barcelona and just left the nba so they they had to pivot to bogdanovich and he i think it's really going to help them offensively you're right that it's putting a lot on rudy gobert though i mean bogdanovich is not really uh you know an amazing help defender i think he can hold up kind of in post defense he's physical but he's not very quick maybe ingles gets those matchups They've also got Royce O'Neal and Dante Exum to come off the bench and take some guys too if they're really struggling as well. Uh, the other thing they did is they signed Ed Davis to, uh, which is one of the best contracts I think that was signed. Uh, two years at the room exception for him. Shout out mock off season and, and KP as well. Uh, that's pretty good uh, to get him to back up Rudy Gobert. They might want to bring back Epe Udo to have a, a third center uh, as well. Uh, but Davis, uh, now Quinton is going to actually have to let him go get an offensive rebound, which Quinton doesn't really do. Otherwise, Davis's effectiveness is uh, largely wasted on the offensive end. And Davis is not going to be nearly, I, I'm really worried about their bench defense when Gobert is off the floor. But with Conley, Mitchell to run the floor, I mean, they've got a lot of pick and roll ball handlers. So the the defense is going to have to kind of change to just outscoring the other team, which I think with, with this group, they probably had the ability to do. So, well, I, I, mean, I want to yeah. say one other thing, which is Utah's working their way. They're trying to get their way into the rarefied air conversation. And one of the concerns that I have is both right now with LeBron James, but also theoretically, let's say Kawhi is in the mix at some point or somebody else, they don't really have guys to defend that elite group of small, small forward or forwards. And that becomes a problem if you want to be a conference finalist or make the NBA finals. You know, like if they were at yeah. the level. Or James Harden. What about yeah. James Harden? Who's guarding him? Well, somebody's guarding him from a few feet away and standing on his on his shoulder, apparently. But that's, it, it, I worry about that. You know that that this is a a great regular like a run really fun offense, strong regular season team if if Gobert can stay healthy. But that there are always going to be teams with elite talent that are deep enough and and ideally have some defense to it. So that the idea of like them coming out of the West right now doesn't feel particularly strong to me. And it's it's fair to say that that's a big ask and to say like and and especially now that it looks like the top of the west might be significantly 
weaker, but it feels like something will come through. Yeah, and they are out a couple of first rounders now going forward from the Conley trade. But I mean, this is a good, solid team. And you also run into the issue of, well, what else were they going to do at this point in time? I mean, I, you know, would you have felt better about 15 million a year to Miritich? I and mean, this is a little more than that for Bogdanovich. I think Miritich would be better defensively. Bogdanovich is probably a little bit better of a shooter, although Miritich like, kind of likes that deep range, quick release, tall. Uh, so I... I this is one of those ones where it's like, all right, what else were they supposed to do? Are they going to try to save cap space for 2020? They don't have any room in 2020 unless Mike Conley exercises his ETO, which maybe you could see them doing and, and trying to extend him if he plays well this year instead, or not extend him, but just have it sign a new contract. Uh, because once an ETO is exercised, actually, you cannot extend the contract. Um, oh, so that's the problem there. Yeah, he would have to become a, a full free agent. But, you know, so so maybe that's a way to get some more flexibility. But they could, they could de facto do that, you know. Right, exactly. The, the, the Harrison Bar we'll call it uh all right that's probably enough on utah let's go to indiana this is a a, a, a another completely batshit insane uh series of transactions that no one saw coming here yeah i mean it seemed like one of the few real locks of in non-max edition was rudy gobert going there they've been circling each other for a long rudy, time ricky sorry ricky rubio. rubio different different jazz guy um and it seemed that way honestly until the second it wasn't and then in immediate succession rubio go the announcement that rubio goes to the suns and then we find out why that happened and that is because Indiana not only gave Malcolm Brogdon $85 million over four years, but also gave up a first and two seconds to structure this as a sign-in trade with the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, this is kind of similar to the Butler and the Russell thing, where they paid Milwaukee this essentially as the price for not matching. Indiana could have just signed him outright. This isn't a case where with Miami or with Golden State, they had to do the sign-in trade to make it cap legal because they didn't have space. Indiana had the space for this. This is a price to Milwaukee to not match. We don't know what the stipulations are on that first and two seconds yet, right? I haven't seen it. I don't believe I've seen it either. So that... Uh, you would imagine that's going to be relatively favorable to, to Indiana. Uh, they also have the option of structuring this as a declining deal to maybe make this a, a little bit, a little easier to move. And then they also pick up Jeremy Lamp, three years, $31.5 million, uh from the Charlotte Hornets. That one is actually not terrible. Well, that's actually less than he got it in the mock off season. And part of why I like this is I think Brogdon and Lamb are pretty decent fits next to Victor Oladipo whether you want to call Brogdon technically the one or Oladipo technically the one uh Brogdon is going to start at the one now uh, of course with Corey Joseph having moved on they're pretty much out of room they'll still have the room exception left Aaron Holiday is going to be their backup point guard most likely uh they'll start Lamb at the two for now Bogdanovich is gone Thaddeus Young is gone in Chicago so now your three is TJ Warren Okay, now we can get into the craziest thing about this team. Basically, other than TJ Warren, I would say every capable member of the rotation is either a guard or a center. Yeah, and yeah, maybe Lamb can play some. Yeah, like they have guys that'll they guys. have guys that'll slide. You know, Sabonis. It sounds like is going to play a lot at the four, and and then Lamb will slide to the three. I'm guessing he'll probably start at the two while Victor Oladipo is out, and then you figure it out from that point when Oladipo returns. But it's a strange thing to to go without. You know, to to say, oh, you know, small forward, and yes, it is a position of great scarcity. But but yeah. to go that direction, but don't. 
Doug McDermott probably is a small forward, although he sure as hell can't. Oh, guard I don't, I don't know what he exactly is at this point. But yeah, that's you know he's he's on the roster. He'll be a part of the rotation, be sure. And I like the I like the Brogdon the Brogdon Oladipo fit. It reminds me of something in my early days. I never actually wrote this, but I had this idea. I called it the fraction theory of point guards, which is the idea that maybe a team could build a functional offense without a nominal point guard, just a bunch of guys that were like capable with the ball in their hands, but didn't have that like they weren't as ball dominant and this is probably the closest we've gotten to it um, on a team with real expectation you know because yeah. Oladipo Oladipo can handle the ball you know he that's part of how he was an all-nba player a couple years ago and Brogdon has some initiation tools in his toolbox as well and he's much better to be off ball now than he was before which is very important for playing with Oladipo and so how the ecosystem works here is important and also you know Sabonis is a talented passer for for his size and everything like that so maybe they can can get some kind of flow stuff working on there but I'm having trouble figuring out exactly how this team is is going to function though I like a fair amount of the players that they have yeah you mentioned Sabonis is probably going to start at the four they seem committed to doing that uh, Turner at the five see if those guys can work together Sabonis extension eligible and there's gonna be a lot of money out there in 2020 so I think that that's gonna provide some fear for some of these teams uh I have a prediction for you that this team will be a bottom five pace team in the NBA they don't have a traditional point guard to push the ball they're playing with two bigs together uh you know Oladipo is probably not gonna be like running it down people's throats when he comes back now they also could maybe break out some lineups with Warren at the four before Oladipo comes back you could play Holiday and Brogdon together Lamb at the three um but this will be it's gonna be a year of experimentation for Indiana I think once we found out that Oladipo wasn't gonna be back until December or January it didn't make as much sense for them to bring back Bogdanovich and bring back Thaddeus Young. You know, I don't know if they're going to be better this year. I mean, Brogdon is definitely better than any of the point guards they had. Rubio at the three for 45, that was kind of reported. And then he ended up getting three for 51 from Phoenix, which we'll talk about. Uh, you know, they did have to give up the first for Brogdon. They are paying him an awful lot. I mean, that's, he's going to really have to deliver. You know, this is, he was a great fit in Milwaukee as just one of the pieces around Giannis. Now, I mean, he's going to be the primary creator on this team. I don't know if he's up to that. I think this may be asking a little bit too much for him. I think it was one of those things where Brogdon was a lot more value. And maybe once Oladipo comes back, it'll be a different story. Um, But Brogdon was one of those guys where the player isn't that good, but there's so many teams that can use him that his market ended up being absolutely massive. Um, Well, and and something else we should mention with with the Pacers is even for those who are believer in the end game here, it's going to take a while for us to see it because Oladipo is still going to be out. And and when he comes back, he's probably not going to be hundred percent. And so I haven't done the full East hierarchy yet, but it might be a tougher road than some think for them to even make the playoffs next year. Yeah. And we'll have to see what some of these other teams uh, do still as well. Let's get to Milwaukee uh, for once. Malcolm Brogdon came. Let's just start with the. We'll, uh, we'll go through the transactions, but then I have a question to ask you. Brooke Lopez is going to be back. They opened up the cap space for him with the Snell for Lure exchange. So starts around twelve million a year. Four years, fifty-four million for the thirty-one-year-old. We'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, it's not a great contract. Chris Middleton is going to be back. Five for one seventy-eight. That one uh, had been agreed to long before Malika Andrews had the "Why I'm Staying in Milwaukee" piece. You know, that came out shortly after free agency started. So clearly, uh, that had been agreed to. Uh, the Bucks getting him for less than that full max. There wasn't much talk that he'd have other offers out where they got a, a slight discount. And is there a player option on that last year? For Middleton? Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's right. Okay. Then Robin Lopez will be joining for the room exception, backing up his brother. 
I think he probably just wanted to play with his brother. It seemed like he might have starting options available, perhaps with the Celtics for that amount of money. The Celtics desperately need a center with their room exception. We talked about that in their uh, offseason outlook. And uh, now that they have Kemba, that's where they are. George Hill is going to come back three years, 29 million, basically using all of the space that they're going to get apparently from stretching John Luer. And then they got that first and second from Indiana. Maybe they could try to find a taker for Luer when it's all said and done with some of those seconds that they got from Indiana. If there's a team out there with space, but worst comes to worst, they can stretch Luer if need be. And then Malcolm Brogdon though is gone. And what would you have done here with Milwaukee? Would you have played the restricted free agent game with Brogdon, tried to tamp his price down a little bit and just keep him around? Or was this deal from the Pacers? I mean, let's assume, you know, it's like a lottery protected first at some point in the the future and whatever these seconds are. Or would you have just done this deal? What's so disappointing for me about this is... I think the Bucks are materially worse for next year. And Malcolm Brogdon probably is overpaid on the contract that Indiana Indiana gave him. And get and if you weren't going to match it, yeah, get probably. Probably. But getting but think about his value specifically to the Bucks. That you lose you lose the ability, you can't really replace him in full. George Hill will do that in part. But if you, uh, a let's call it a two win or whatever, I'm I'm not I'm using kind of baseball and baseball idea here. I don't I don't do it with basketball super well. Like if they any any drop for a team as good as the Bucks are with their aspirations is more important. And so even if Brogdon is overpaid and you know they could talk about the way that would have led them into the luxury tax and with the money they gave the years that they gave Middleton and and Brook Lopez well, that well especially been a too I think if Indiana had front loaded this contract which they probably would have yeah then, then that, you know that really would have made the tax the tax amount painful for them right and I mean it would have been better in the long term assuming Giannis Giannis re-ups then you would you would have more manageable dollar amounts then but that is really the primary reason that this is done because the Bucks chose to let Brogdon go and not replace him for financial reasons because there isn't really another reason to do this trade to do to do what the, the moves that they did well you might say hey this isn't a good contract we don't want to have bad contracts on our books we may need to make more moves we we pick up a first for all these ones that we traded we can move some of these guys again we've got still a lot of salary fodder we can get another player in for the stretch run we'll see how this team is looking uh you know and we can get a, an expiring contract in here uh, using this first round pick that we got or you know this now probably quells some of their stepian rule issues so maybe it's defensible in that way and and oh by the way of course as you mentioned they save a, a fair amount of cash and yeah they would have been looking at it being more difficult to bring back hill you know, i don't know what other offers hill had out there but you, know, you had to imagine maybe somewhere in the in the range of 20 million guaranteed over two years if they had brought him back and brought back Brogdon for, say, $23 million to start around what Indiana would have offered. And you stretch Lure. It's still not that bad of a tax payment, though, is it? Nope. Oh, oh, oh no, no, here's my problem. I've, I've got to put in uh, Middleton's new salary. And that'll, that'll bump it up because his hold is small. That's where I'm... Yeah, so, so they would have been about $15 million into the tax, most likely. Yeah, maybe they could have got that down to 10 with a Lure stretch or moving him. They could have maybe moved on from Ilyasova as well. I mean, that, that's something that they could have done. Um, but, you know, again, then they wouldn't have had this first and second round pick so i'll give them an incomplete for now if they use that first round pick to get the team better this year but you're right they're taking a big step back and yeah that brogdon contract isn't bad they're kind of over a barrel they did have a number 
and, and this is probably above that number of what they're willing to pay. I mean, this is that's a lot of money for Malcolm Brogdon. That's not going to be a good contract, I don't think. Um, and, and if the Bucks had gone that way instead of matching, or if they just matched it and structured it the way they wanted to, then he probably would have been you know eight percent raises, and that would have been you know made the contract even more palatable as a potential trade piece. And yeah, they would have had a twenty six million dollar tax payment, something like that. And yeah, that's a lot of money. Uh, but you know, I mean, and again, they could have moved on for Lure or Ilyasova to open up more room too. They made a lot of moves to try to fix it so they could bring on these guys back. But Miritich is gone. Brogdon is gone. The number 30 pick is gone. Yeah, they're worse. I think there's no two ways about that. And yeah, $26 million luxury tax payment plus the increase in player salaries is a lot. And maybe Milwaukee, because of that, that kicks kickstarts a repeater tax in a couple of years. But, and that's yeah. a possibility. I mean, we have to acknowledge that. But yeah, more than a couple of years. Uh, yes. A, 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 a minimum of four, four years. years from now. Yeah. But, uh, and, you know, if they are going to bring back Giannis on that Supermax a couple of years from now, then yeah, they might have had some real issues with the repeater tax and Brogdon salary and that, but you might want to make sure you can actually get Giannis to come back on that first. Right. And that's exactly where I was going with is they're a goddamn title contender. Like cutting cutting money that that that's exactly when you do it and like for me the threshold for there are lots of reasons ownership can be good or bad but and people can make this small market excuse they can do all sorts of things and i'm sure people will but an unambiguous title contender is exactly the team that any person who wants to own an nba team should be willing to spend on and if you're not then somebody else should own the team now they might be able to get a trade exception if they structure the sign and trade to where they're over the cap if they're able to do all the other business hold on to broad cap hold and then do that sign trade they might be able to get about a, a 10 to 12 million dollar trade exception uh for half of what his outgoing salary uh his first year starting salary would be under base year compensation that could be useful in the future again with that first round pick and show they got enough back from brogdon in this sign and trade like if they had just straight up not matched it then yeah i completely agree with your criticisms they've got enough plausible deniability here that they got these assets they might have some more flexibility let's see what they do with it here I, i'm i can't quite go there yet of oh they're just cheaping out if they do nothing to take on salary or improve the team this whole season then yeah i, I think uh it does look that way and also of note for the bucks uh zach low noting that uh as long as the board of governors approves mark lazary it is his turn five years has elapsed uh it is time for him to take over from wes edens as the bucks governor remember they have this thing where every five years according to their operating agreement they have to change which of uh of them i think there's a third owner in there too i can't remember whether he's part of this rotation or not uh but maybe that'll change things in terms of like who has the final say over what's going on but you remember they had all this infighting over justin zanuck uh, in particular um quickly we could do chicago thaddeus young three years 41 million i actually like this one pretty good i i'm young as someone who continues making about what he was making before right around the 13 14 million mark age 31 doesn't shoot it that well has some limitations but he's an all defense level of forward and maybe that doesn't last this entire time but back in the what else are you doing in your with your space category for a bad team like this i think that the bulls did pretty well here young can play with either lowry markinen or wendell carter he really helps beef up their defense which is looking like the big weakness of this team he also 
if you want to play with Markinen at center down the end of games, put him at the four. And now the guys that Otto Porter is too frail to guard, Thaddeus Young can guard those guys. And he's also a really nice playmaker on and off the ball. I think he and Carter in particular, when they're in the game together, could be an outstanding defensive pairing. Looks now like the Bulls still have about $9 million in space left. They could get a, another point guard option here to come in. They've got Kobe White and they've got Chris Dunn. You know, that's for next year, considering rookie point guards are usually bad. That's one of the worst point guard rotations in the NBA. They'll, I would imagine they're going to try and shore that up there. Maybe, maybe bring in with the room exception a big if there's one available as well. But I think... You know, the Bulls were like kind of rumored as a Brogdon destination. Casey Johnson threw some fire on, or threw some water on that fire. Brogdon might have made sense, but with Zach Levine, you know, paying Brogdon 20 million and Zach Levine 20 million when those guys can't really play together in addition to the guy that you drafted at number seven kobe white i think this makes more sense and i don't think this is a bad contract it's a movable contract as well potentially uh but i don't know who else they could have gotten that would have fit with either levine or, or with either marketing or carter so I, I like this move pretty well for the bulls to be honest i like it too i think that it's a reasonable price for young it does create a challenge for jim boylan in terms of managing managing the rotation because when you have three guys that should get all the minutes at two positions that means you're going to have to run a stagger and figuring out who closes games yeah. and all that. Like it's, it, it can be challenging, and you don't you don't want to throw a lot of resources into another big because then if they don't stagger, then Thaddeus Young is probably the one who's not playing enough minutes. You know, like the reason you you have you split it three ways is because all three of those guys are deserving heavy minutes, and you don't want to play Thaddeus Young at the three. By the love of God, do not play Thaddeus Young at the three. And and me maybe in some spots things because Lowry can shoot, but you know limited limited yeah. stretch there. But yeah. And Carter, Carter is going to need to develop his outside right. jumper. Yeah, and, and we've well and and we've seen that at, at a couple moments in time, Hoop Summit and other things. So it, it's a possibility. Yeah. And, but, but they've I, got good shooting at the one through three to play around those guys, too, as long as they don't try and play. Chris that, that's one that you're going to have to avoid is playing Dunn, Young, and Carter together. Yeah, that would be a problem. And so I like this just to give the Bulls more looks. They didn't have a ton of flexibility. This is a reasonable way to do it. And if for whatever reason that East Young doesn't work or they're so committed to Carter and Markinen and don't really have a spot firm i think this is a movable contract as you said and it, it, the opportunity cost for the bulls is exceedingly low and a capable player and forwards even though you know fours are a little bit more numerous than threes a capable defensive four is a, is a great thing for them to have so i like this move it's one of one of the one of my more positive ones should we go to the kemba walker saga next here yeah so there is still a little bit of ambiguity with this because because of not actually the Kemba Walker thing. So we've, we, it's been in the, in the offing for a couple of days now that it looked like Kemba was going to go there. Shams Trania had reporting that Charlotte didn't even offer the full 30% max to Kemba Walker. Yeah. And, so, uh, I think, uh, let me see who, who said it was 160. That was. Yeah, that was Stephen A. who said it. Five years, 160 is about what they got to, and Shams reporting would, would support that as well. Yes, and so that made it even even clearer for Kemba Walker to make the decision. I'm really excited to see what he can do on the Celtics. They have to figure out what's going on at center, but their one through four is really interesting, and they have some versatility because you know we assume Jalen Brown and Tatum are going to start, and then they have Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward to fill the other spot, but then they need a center. They'll get one not a problem and walker it's the best best set of teammates he's ever had and the celtics have a lot of resources if they want to go more short term they can do that but the reason why this is still to be determined is
is because of the ancillary move that came off of this, which is one of the most dumbfounding in recent time, When especially because it comes on the heels of, of Charlotte lowballing Kemba Walker, which is, okay, Kemba Walker's gone. They decide to get Terry Rozier on a three-year, $58 million contract, and because Terry Rozier got that much damn money, it has to be structured as a sign-in trade. And so that's what leads to some of these other logistical things. Yeah, the the two-way sign and trade works just fine, right? It, uh it, it does except yeah, it, it does except that the Celtics are un- unnecessarily hard cap themselves in that circumstance, which is something yeah, teams they, they don't got usually plenty of room do. though now. They're, they're not going to come. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just cap. to do a solid to Terry Rozier after after the the year that he had, maybe there maybe that's the idea. Um because yeah, I mean there was an idea that this could be a much more elaborate thing and that that could allow them to retain Al Horford. Al Horford is a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. So, it doesn't seem like those more 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 outlandish ones are coming to pass. So, instead the only outlandish thing is Charlotte paying Terry Rozier almost 20 million dollars a year for reasons. Well, the reasons are just PR recovery. Yeah, we talk a little bit more about Boston. Um, but yeah, I mean, the mechanics are not too bad for uh, the Rozier sign and trade. Maybe you could see Charlotte give Boston a, a little something if, you know, they're, they're hard capping here because, you know, it's again, going to have to be a double sign and trade. Uh, but the, the amount going out uh, with Walker, it, it will be enough uh, to bring in Rozier. Rozier has not played very well other than in the East playoffs. And even then, he was below average uh, true shooting despite s- some big moments. Solid defender, shoots it reasonably well. Terrible finisher, well below average passer and pick and roll guy for a point guard at this point in time. He's also 25 already. So, you know, point guards do develop a little bit later. He's going to have plenty of chances here uh, on what is going to be an atrocious Charlotte team. Charlotte also losing Jeremy Lamb, whom they would have been hard pressed to retain at that price uh, and avoid the tax. They now have uh, about 13 million below the tax and should have a lot of the full mid level to work with if in fact they want to spend the money i mean they could just acknowledge that they're going to be so bad this year it doesn't even make sense to just spend the cash um they also have the possibility of stretching bismack biombo but that would make little sense again with this team looking like they're not gonna be very good uh but you got to go back now to the fact that Charlotte made this offer that was not particularly competitive. Yeah, it was twenty million more guaranteed than he could have gotten. Walker could have gotten, but like the, this wasn't even into supermax surgeries. 30 million dollars less than the regular max and if you weren't willing to pay that regular max two years ago for Kemba, why you kept him, I have no idea. And you got two non-playoff seasons out of it. And it's the exact same thing we said when we first started saying uh, in 2018 that they should have traded Kemba, which was, okay, you cannot trade him now and stave off the rebuilding. And then you're just going to have to rebuild when he leaves. Or you're going to have to give him a really bad contract, which ultimately they, it would have been a bad contract probably anyway, um, to give him the the five for 160 for a team that's not going anywhere but or he's just gonna leave and you start the rebuild then after you just had two you know totally middling seasons and you don't have the benefit of having gotten assets for him as well and what's worse there are circumstances where you can sour on a player you thought it was going to be you know that you were going to have the max you could offer that and the player just maybe they get hurt or they they start showing aging more quickly or something else and so the circumstances just don't break your way Kemba Walker had the best season of his career this past year and qual you know qualified for the supermax and was what they they gave him a big task to do and he did it about as well as could have been expected and also all of the structural things with Charlotte's books 
were all already there. Nicholas Batum was already signed. They they had other shitty contracts like like you know they didn't have Biombo in 2018, but they had I think they and they didn't have Mozgov then either, but they had just bad money on the books. Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, MKG, all that kind of stuff. So there is nothing surprising here. Nothing nothing came out of the blue, and yet they got absolutely burned. And that's indefensible. And yeah, I mean, we, we saw this coming 18 months ago, and so did everyone else. Right. And and another point, you brought up the idea of, you know, like the having these two years where you didn't make the playoffs. The other important part of that in term, that would have been a benefit for them is bottoming out when you still have some bad contracts on your books can actually be kind of a good thing because then you don't rush the rebuild. You don't spend money too early. And so then you're you're bad and you get some decent draft picks. And then as those guys are developing, but you're still shitty, you're still building it up. And then maybe in like 2020 or in 2021, then Charlotte would have had these a couple of blue chip prospects if they drafted well. And then all of a sudden, all their bad money comes off the books. And even that, and, and so then you, you may, you know, maybe, maybe you're not, you know, going to the luxury tax or line that up or anything like that, but everything squares up. And instead, now they're going to be bad and then they're going to have money. They're probably going to have pressure to spend some of that earlier. And they also paid Terry Rozier 20 million a year. Yeah. And that's, you know, what would you have been comfortable with for Rozier? Like 10 or 11 million? I mean, that was never going to happen. Yeah. That's more but, the range that I would have been comfortable yeah, with. Yeah. I mean, that's one where you, like yeah this contract has no upside you know or if very, they're lucky very maybe little, he yeah. lives up to it like he doesn't have superstar potential um they may have to, uh, up to 35 million in cap space next year not counting a, a potential first round draft pick that i expect to be uh relatively high so but not enough to really be a player nobody's going to go there uh they don't ever seem to have the imagination to just like take on bad contracts to screw that i mean they do have a lot of expiring money if they want to go there for a team that wants to open up 2020 cap space but yeah i mean if you look at their rotation they got rosier at the one really nobody at the two right now you know maybe that maybe you want to say batum is the two but i mean he was like falling out of the rotation at times last year uh, was pretty ineffective maybe malik monk starts at the two uh you know that's an awfully small backcourt they do have miles bridges uh, maybe to play some three or four marvin williams is still there he's certainly a trade candidate uh cody zeller maybe is is a trade candidate uh he's got two years left on his deal kid gilchrist 13 million he opted in and you know backup point guard i guess is Devonte graham right now but really i mean i mean a, a normal size two guard is probably what you they'd want to use with their mid-level exception if in fact they even uh decide to use it yeah and a normal size two guard was on their roster and got a pretty reasonable contract just now so. yeah yeah i mean you you might have said that they would have been better off trying to match that something like that from them maybe he just wanted out of there uh and then just you know try to get a point guard i mean I, i'm sure they see rosier as part of their future and he's gonna be pretty good but this is you know he, he's not gonna change your destiny uh he, he strikes me as the kind of point guard where you get him on your roster and then you're always trying to uh to upgrade from him ultimately boston getting walker we talked a lot a, a few days ago on their offseason outlook uh, about what this team would look like also about who some of their options for the room exception might be at center not a lot of options left to me kavan looney ennis cancer some of the Nerlens names Noel is back out. on the market massachusetts yeah. native yeah that was weird um now maybe there is a way to do a sign and trade with horford going out if philly wants to play ball i don't know why philly would play ball the, the celtics would really have to incentivize them especially because you know why do you want boston to be able to stay over the cap but that would enable them to maintain uh marcus morris's cap hold they had enough room to maintain daniel tyson's was pretty small as a restricted free agent 
imagine he'll be back but really the only reason is to bring back morris morris sounds like from some of the reporting he's going to get a lucrative offer so maybe there's not really that much reason to do this sign and trade anymore well i guess more morris and to use that you could get the other exceptions back the larger exceptions that would be but that's yeah that's true yeah you could hold on to the the mle and the uh but yeah i mean if you bring back morris and you use uh yeah so you might be able to get uh, something better at center but there's really not much left at center uh you know this is not strike me as a demarcus destination so yeah it's really kevon looney rashawn holmes and his cancer nerlands you know kyle o'quinn the unicornet is a is a free agent um so I think that, that's about all I got for Boston right now. I mean, we can talk more about what their team's going to look like once they, they get their center. they got a lot of perimeter firepower here, although you might, you know, I don't think they're going to be good enough defensively unless they're able to make a trade for a big, and they do still have plenty of trade ammo. Uh, maybe if they could get a, a really good defensive big, and maybe that's Marcus Smart in the trade, maybe that's, a, you know, Yabusele and, and some lower, lower end guys plus a, a draft pick and then then maybe you can start talking about them having a puncher's chance against some of these top teams in the east we, but until then uh, you know i think the defense is, is going to be too much of an issue we have an update a, oh, a yeah? small one but the terms of the Derek favors trade are in and oh, good. new orleans is sending 2021 and 2023 second round picks which Woj says are both from the warriors that those are going to be what goes for favors those picks that are now more valuable than they would have been before but still the guess would probably be that they're going to be below that match 45 threshold at least the 2021 one 2023 is a long way off yeah that seems like a a pretty fair compensation uh for new orleans uh, another quick piece of bookkeeping cleveland hasn't signed anybody yet but before july 1st they agreed with jr smith to push back his guarantee date and in compensation for that his guaranteed amount is going from 3.9 million to 4.4 that is a pretty clear indication that the Cavs have not found a deal to their liking for Smith, the one of the rare grandfathered in players who is partially guaranteed but counts it as full salary. So it would be a great way for a team to dump to dump cap. And so this just gives them more flexibility. J.R. Smith, I'm my assumption is that he's probably going to get the minimum wherever he because well, he'll get cut by that subsequent team because that's the whole point. And then he'll sign somewhere for the minimum. So the opportunity cost for him is relatively small and he gets more money out of it. So pretty sweet deal for him as long as yeah. as long as the team keeps the roster spot open for him which they could just do right now yeah and, and it seems like there's uh speculation that the clutch client could be joining uh lebron james in la if lebron can forgive him for game one of the 2018 finals and uh his subsequent broken hand but the issue for using that is it's really going to take a pretty penny for cleveland unless they stretch or move some other guys probably stretch to want to take that on because they're in the repeater tax i mean if they just take on guaranteed salary you know you're you're looking at like another 30 million bucks or more in tax payment unless other moves ensue so and you imagine you know a first rounder and a pretty decent one would be required but you know they do have the option of facilitating as cap space is dwindling elsewhere let's go now we're actually making some progress let's talk quickly about denver uh, agreeing on a five-year 170 million dollar designated player max extension with jamal murray doesn't sound like they negotiated too hard since they reached the agreement now no discussion of a player option that of course kicks in next summer uh, he'll start at 29.3 million lops off about 16 million in possible cap space that Denver might have had uh, going down from 30 million down to about 14 million not including a potential draft pick not including some restricted free agent cap holds like Tory Craig and Malik Beasley and Juan Hernan Gomez Denver also since we last talked 
opting in Paul Millsap to the $30 million team option, which is something that we saw coming. They could have opened up to $17 million in cap space, but it sounded like they couldn't find a deal to bring Millsap back. Uh, on a longer term extension you know, the other not extension but a longer term deal as a free agent so sticking with the 30 million for now and they can see how Millsap plays they'll still have bird rights to him next year if he's still performing at a high level they'll they'd have the ability to bring him back Murray despite my being maybe the biggest Jamal Murray stand ahead of number three on my board back in 2016 uh, he does a lot of really nice things with the ball in his hands it had an up and down playoffs but had some moments but this seems really aggressive really aggressive for him Danny it is is eerily reminiscent of the Devin Booker extension that was about yeah. a year ago where the the question yeah except the nuggets are actually good yeah right that that's a difference but in a way I think and, that and actually, they're not vaporizing as much cap space. I think it's more likely especially with the possibility of bringing Millsap back and the restricted yeah, it's, free agents it, it, it's less it's less clear it, it's also a much crappier uh, free agency next year than it would have been sure. this year yeah, it's, but, it's, I mean, a, I it's, a, to- it's a toned but, down yeah. version of that but the yeah. the risk I guess that they were getting in I mean especially because I wouldn't expect have expected Jamal Murray to take to sign the qualifying offer and then become unrestricted in 21 that would be pretty remarkable for him to him to, to do considering how much money would have been on the table is how confident are you that you would much rather have let's say Jamal Murray and we don't even know this let's say he would have preferred a three plus one somewhere else to a five-year deal with the Denver Nuggets, you're basically making that bet right now that not only is he going to be worth that, but, oh, we're so scared of that potential offer. And it probably would have been on the table. We don't know that for sure, but it probably would have been to sign this right away. And whether it's injury or ineffectiveness or just other options becoming available, like, you know, maybe maybe one of the, some, some other team just offers you a talented guard that fits in, you know, maybe for a Gary Harris or something like that, like those sorts of opportunities opportunities and they're foreclosing on a lot of that stuff for Murray and the upside here is extremely low because this is the contract that he saw that he would have signed if he blew up if he had a fantastic season and also on the idea of Denver getting other guards Murray talented guy you and I both really like him but you don't need as much at point guard when you're playing with Nikola Jokic so maybe they could have been a little bit more fungible flexible and now that's out the window as well. I mean, they had to keep Jamal Murray as part of their group. The pathway for this team being a finals contender, which I maintain they weren't really last year, despite being the number two seed, they would have got completely destroyed by either Houston or Golden State, is that Jamal Murray really pops and he becomes worth this country. But the idea of him overperforming it, it seems very unlikely. And yeah, you know what? Like if they come to to him with this offer on the first day of free agency, no matter how well he plays, I mean, he probably takes it, maybe he gets the player option uh, on the end. Uh, and maybe you know he's kind of alienated but this is what Denver does they they overpay for performance on on their own guys they do that to kind of you know they did it with Will Barton they arguably did it a little bit with Gary Harris they did it with Mason Plumley. we may find out too that uh, there are some incentives involved here Denver likes to do that I, I have to look up whether if you're a designated player if it doesn't have to all be totally guaranteed uh I don't believe it does because Joel Embiid had uh, some non-guarantees on his designated player uh, max extension. So this may be, we may find out Denver likes to do this, just let the agents fluff it up with the big number. And then it turns out there's incentive. They did that with Jokic, they did that with Harris. So we may find this to be a little bit less than the max and maybe that's the pound of flesh that they extracted and you could feel a little bit better about their negotiating at that point. And again, to not get the player option. I mean, this is now our first contract in the NBA that uh, last, 
lasts until the 24-25 season. <laughs> uh, quickly, Detroit, Derek Rose signing a two-year $15 million deal to join the Pistons. That is a large portion of their non-taxpayer mid-level exception. They will now uh, be hard-capped, uh, but they have a, a pretty decent uh, amount of room there. Uh, they've got still $12 million uh, below the apron. And I, I think that's actually a pretty good piece of business for them. They just desperately needed someone else who could attack off the drill, get into the paint. This means Ish Smith uh, is likely available. They could still actually bring Smith back if they wanted to. They hold on to his uh, bird rights. Depends what his market looks like. This is finally the last year of Reggie Jackson. Oh, I thought you were maybe... going to say it's finally the last year of Josh Smith's being on their books because that's also true. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true, Jua. And you might want to have three-point guards because Rose obviously is a health risk. Rose could also even maybe play off the ball as more of a scoring guard they also have Langton Galloway still too uh they did not fulfill their primary need of a three but there weren't really threes available uh, for well, that price the, the upside is maybe Seku's going to play more early on yeah I mean maybe maybe that's uh, uh we'll see I mean he's he doesn't turn 19 he's until so December, young so yeah so but but I think that's uh, that's not bad uh, uh for Derek I, I don't Rose. I don't love it because I don't like Rose as much off ball you know he, he can have his moments but like I mean especially when yeah. you see what Corey Joseph ended up getting maybe I maybe I, I, the the logistics of it might have been a little bit more complicated but Rose it's, it's fine it's it's largely yeah. uninspiring for me well and then it, that ends where the only guy they have on the books is going to be Seku and Blake Griffin for 21-22 so this Rose contract ends with that I think not having to go and you know Corey Joseph might have been more interested in playing for the Kings or whatever and they, they got their guy I think this is and they just desperately needed some scoring on this team so I, I think that's a, a fine move always a health risk though for Rose and good for Rose to at least build himself back up uh, above being a minimum player uh, again well I, uh, I w- maybe yeah no, go ahead maybe Minnesota will rue not using his early bird rights to get him back they were in the Russell Derby and now uh, they are out of that and, and don't really seem to have that clear uh, of a path going forward. Um, were, were you going to say something else Pistons related? No, I was not. I was, uh, we were, were kind of going in a little bit of alphabetic order, but I wanted to jump just because it's a big deal and it was kind of understood. So we haven't, it's not noted as much, but Damian Lillard signs the Supermax adds four years and just a $196 million starting in 21-22. That, that contract, you know, and it It'll, it'll depend just like John Wall and, and James Harden's did. It'll depend on where the cap ends up at that point in time. But the yeah. estimate is that it will be $54.3 million for his age 34 season in 24-25. Yeah. yeah, that's another one that gets out to 24-25 yeah. as well. So it's, I mean, it sounds like this is what, what both sides wanted. Lillard gets to be functionally a blazer for life, which is exciting for him. He'll get his number retired and all of that. And it it's it's a lot on on the Blazers books this is a statement by I don't even know exactly what their ownership situation is right now but that's a big commitment that that the Blazers are making as an organization and then the other piece of well hold on. I, I, on Lillard I mean age 31 is when that kicks in I mean yeah. I know Dame Lillard can shoot he's also a short point guard uh, his athleticism is going to wane he's a great player right now he's above the level of kind of the you know I think where John Wall was when he signed signed on to this but Wall actually you know his extension kicked in at a younger age and this is going to be a bad contract almost certainly you know i mean we said the same thing when russell westbrook signed his and this one kicks in a year later lillard again has a a little bit better of an an aging game and they made it to the west finals there's a feel-good reason to do this he gets a player off the show on the oscar Eh, might opt into 54 million as you said i don't think they needed to do this now Uh, they probably could have done it next year they also could have gone the 
normal extension rod for it. This is one of those, okay, the Supermax is available and now you know you have to give them the, the maximum possible, but it's just two years is such a long period of time where this franchise is going to be. My guess is going to be they're not going to be making the Western Conference Finals two years from now. I mean, I think, you know, Dame, maybe even CJ will be a little bit towards the downside. You know, we'll see whether someone like uh, Anthony Simons or Nasir Little, whether that next generation uh, can become part of things. Um, I mean, would I have done this in their position? Would I have had the balls as Neil O'Shea to say, ah, no, actually, we're not going to offer you that. We're going to offer you three years at 35 million a year on the end of this or next summer rather than offer you the Supermax, we're going to offer you four years at 35 million a year <sighs> yeah that, that's that's a tough call but this is a lot of money going out a long way um what else did they do they also re-signed rodney hood uh, so hood it's a, it's an interesting situation because he had to he had this no trade clause because he implicit no trade clause because when he re-signed with the Cavs that basically took his qualifying offer last year if you trade him he loses the the t- acquiring team did not gain bird rights so that meant that it was pretty hard actually for Portland to retain him except that so so they signed him to a two-year 12 million dollar deal with a player option on the second year there might be a little bit of, of fungibility with this because that number if it's just slightly down then it look it might be the taxpayer mid-level that's uh I, I think that's what Jason quick in fact reported that it so is. then at, at that so that starts at 5.7 so that starts at 5.7 then they get a little bit more flexibility at first i thought this was a little bit at a, a higher number i think there was something there so i thought it hard capped them yeah yeah woge woge said it was 216 uh, 216 but yeah that didn't make sense for them to get hard capped yeah uh they really would have probably had to have moved or stretched myers leonard to, to make that work so this this makes a lot more sense but he doesn't get the player option on the second year right so so hood will be a part of it and because they they lost Al Farouk Aminu in, in a transaction we'll talk about a little bit later. It, somehow, the Portland Trailblazers have fewer forwards than before. Yeah, they've still got Mo Harkless, Jake Lehman. They did give him a qualifying offer, and then they bring in Mario Hazonia on a one plus one at the minimum. That's an interesting look. I mean, they do need something as a stretch for And They're also, I think, are going to play Kent Bazemore at the three as well. But yeah, I mean, they don't have like those guys who have as much size at the four now. I mean, maybe Lehman and Hazonia are competing there, and maybe Nasir Little can get in that mix as well um but I, I mean i think to get hood back with the resources available is pretty good you know i mean this is really not that much more than he was making uh, last year and uh th- they've got a lot of scores now too uh, and you know maybe hood uh he he will have the ability to block a trade uh because he has that option year oh no actually no he never had his bird rights to be known so well yeah he would have the yeah he would have the ability to block a trade uh because this would be his second year in a row on the team um yeah and so we'll see what happens now with yusuf nurkic potentially coming back they still got Myers Leonard and Zach Collins uh doesn't seem like Ennis Cantor now will be back unless it, he wants to do it for the minimum and I think it appears his, he will have offers and above I, I that. will file it away not that we know any uh, I know anything but it's I still have it in the back of my pop, back of my mind it was something we did in the walk-off season that there are Kevin Love potential destination either n- yeah. either now uh, or another reason why season. they couldn't afford to get hard cap exactly so there are a couple ways that that could be structured and you know whether it's now now or a little bit later so i i, I kind of I'm, I'm keeping that in my in the back of my mind as a logical destination a team that would benefit from love and especially with the with the obligation to damian lillard like maybe they're just cool putting a lot of money on their on their books 
Let's go to Orlando now, the destination for Al Farouk Aminu. First bit of business, Nikola Vucevic returning, reported at four years, 100 million. Maybe we'll see some incentives in there because four for 90 was popping around. Four for 90 is, in fact, what he got in the mock offseason to hand it over to the mock offseason. Once uh, again, uh, Terrence Ross also back four for 54. That is a lot of Terrence Ross uh, for four years. I mean, about as much as you're going to pay to a guy who's likely going to be a reserve for you. You know, maybe he can start if, if something happens with Evan Fournier in the future. And we'll get to Aminu in a second, but uh, your thoughts on those two deals quickly here. They're both overpays. Not egregious overpays, but, you know, more more than you expect. And they're, they look they're more reminiscent of a team that basically thought that, that that didn't have flexibility. And maybe Orlando thinks of themselves that way, that they just kind of were locked in. And but but, you know, Vooch is, Vooch is fine, but four years is a lot for him. And Terrence Ross committing to four years for him as a likely backup, I think that's the best role for him. So I, I don't love this. And, the, you know, the Magic, I don't know where their upside is. It just depends on how, how much you like their young guys and, and where this is going. But I think they're structurally, they've committed to a team, a collection of talent that I don't particularly love. And now it's now it's a long-term thing. Now it's not just like, hey, we have all these guys. Now it's pretty much their team. Yeah, it really seems uh, that way. And you know, they're now around the level where they're not really going to be able to add to this team unless they really move Vucevic. But adding through the draft seems rather unlikely. You mentioned the possibility of upside. I mean, is Aaron Gordon going to blow up? Is John Isaac going to blow up? Uh, Mo Bamba as a backup center? Well, they just, they must not be too happy with him at this point in time. And who knows whether he's even, even healthy. I mean, maybe this is all we had to do this. You can't let the asset leave doesn't seem like Vooch had offers in this range elsewhere you didn't really hear much and and you know he ended up going back there obviously but and maybe if it wasn't known that this is a done deal he would have had other offers that were kind of in this range and you know maybe a Dallas or Sacramento could have been interested but uh and then Ross same thing I mean I guess there would have been some other offers for him but uh, and you saw what Lamb got you know maybe another offer for him would have been in this range I think Will Barton this is a very similar number to what Will Barton got that might have been one of the analogs that they're using is kind of a you know Barton was signed that contract to start at the three but those guys are kind of similar players bench spark plugs don't barton is a lot better than ross defensively which is uh that is damning uh will barton with faint praise if there ever was so yeah these where what the overall plan is for the magic right now who knows and maybe that's a function of ownership it doesn't seem like jeff weltman and john hammond they came in are we're gonna get all the all this length on the team and so all right you know maybe they'll be fighting for the eighth seed again for the next uh, few years and they, they might be able to build a really good defense but then vucevic you've got a ceiling on that as well what happens when steve clifford's uh, voice runs a little stale and then you get into this too with the minu the full mid-level exception they do have uh 14 players it looks like uh, right now full mid-level exception for me so they are now hard capped with the restricted free agent hold of Kem Birch, actually let me take that off 13 players under contract they are 6.7 million below the apron they Kem Birch is a restricted free agent I think he's a guy that a lot of teams would be looking at for potential offer sheets. Maybe even some of these room exception teams. If he gets much above three, four million a year, you might run into some trouble with the hard cap. Now they have the option of stretching Mozgov. And since they don't really have the ability to get significant cap space next year, maybe that becomes more appealing. But 
you know of course he gets that would go into 21 22 as well when they still have a, a fair amount they already have 83 million committed for two years from now and you've got uh jonathan isaac going into restricted free agency again markel fultz remember him going to restricted free agency by the way john hammond saying that they have no idea when markel fultz is going to play he's not going to play in summer league that i mean it's getting to the point where you're like is this guy ever going to play again and that is really kind of a bummer well, and remember that the magic have a big decision to make on his on on the team option for fultz for 2021 of 12.3 million yeah i mean and if he doesn't come into camp and just shoot the ball completely normally i mean you just decline that but pretty much have to and and yeah and but, but they don't have a, a a path really to any kind of space next summer now either you know what else they don't have a path to a point guard of the future yeah that's a big problem too i mean dj austin has had a wonderful couple of years but he's going to be on the downside now and with all so they really are kind of counting on fultz and i i and you know i mean so it's now two years before they get that point guard of the future i mean that getting a point guard who is good was the way that this team could take the next step and, and i'm not really sure i mean vucevic is coming off a career year ross kind of a career year those guys could take a step back next year and and so you have all that but so the that i have two big problems with the alfaruka minu signing one of them is he doesn't provide that much value for them because while forwards that can defend are incredibly useful in the league orlando is one of the only teams in the league that actually had those guys and yeah yeah they've already got two fours who don't shoot well enough so you're going to add a third you're and a third and that was their best way to add shot to add shot creation to add guys who could make these more dependent offensive players get them better shots and whether that was in addition to supplement dj augustine to replace him eventually or some combination of the two they don't really have those means now and also by committing the way that they did orlando basically locks in that unless they you know get some of their old orlando magic luck and win the lottery or just have a way worse season than expected they're gonna have another middling draft pick it's gonna be hard to get somebody and you know to get those real difference makers either through drafting somebody or by trading that pick for somebody else so it's it's going to be hard for them to get meaningfully better yeah i, I think so and, and maybe you could say you know darren carlson retired we haven't even got to that yet. darren carlson decided to just retire uh and uh pursue his faith uh as a jehovah's witness that was unexpected he was supposed to be on his way to a, a deal in the 10 million dollar a year range with the bulls so that that's it seemed like him and thad young could, could have both ended up on the bulls uh and the point guard market is looking extremely thin now so you, you know maybe there just wasn't anything out there at point guard maybe they'll try with the mid-level exception again next year i mean you could say Derek rose or Corey joseph or you know patrick beverly they didn't have the scratch for him rubio went way higher hey they could be uh try to get jeremy lynn but that's you know the bae would be available but then they got the hard cap problems as well so they probably won't use the bae yeah i mean it's just this is uh, we may look back on 18 19 as like this team's high water market and hopefully markel fultz can come back and play but i mean there's just the news is extreme like what has he been doing he hasn't played since november like whatever he's doing like rehabbing working on his confidence there haven't been a report that like he had a surgery or anything to try and fix uh the thoracic outlet syndrome to the extent that that's even what it is as opposed to just purely mental issues but it's basically been nearly two years of trying to fix this and he hasn't made enough progress to even play in the summer league yet oh man that is just i, I mean you, there's like i would just love to know like what he's doing on a day-to-day -day basis now even well and to, and, like, and also try and get over considering this. how 
how things turned out, Philadelphia is coming out like a rose because if that $10 million was on their books, a lot of these things would be much harder. Oh, yeah. No, that, that was good. And they got the uh, that kind of middling protected pick from OKC, which is probably, it might not actually happen. It might be just well, and, two seconds and the way OKC Theoretically, Jonathan Simmons could have helped them more than he did. He didn't, but he could have. Yeah, that's true. Um Oh, we should, since we haven't talked about it yet, the Lakers still have the space to use, but one of the big things that happened between the last time we recorded Dunked On and today was opening up the flexibility to have a seven to nine year. Yeah, we we, we hit on that a little bit. I'll get to the Lakers later, actually, once we do all these transactions. I still got, because we still got to talk about Kawhi and, you know, all all the rumor guys. Sure. Oh man, there's a a lot of stuff. Hmm. But yeah, no, we talked about that. Uh, It broke while we were recording the other day. Oh, that's right. That's right. It wasn't in the original plan that's thank you we've been doing this for two and a half hours i'm a little rusty yeah uh quickly memphis moved avery bradley's guarantee date back to july 8th i wonder what the point of doing that was for bradley maybe they gave him a little extra money but that hasn't come out yet now that they've taken on andre guadala's salary there is no way that they're going to keep bradley i mean maybe there was a thought that he could be a trade candidate to a team with cap space or something and that there'd be some way for him to get more money that's the only reason i could think of that they would do that we talked about the great job that they did getting andre guadala who can still play by the way i mean maybe he can actually help them be respectable this year and then be a trade candidate uh you know especially if he shows that he still has something yet left this year well and also Um, iguodala could be a very useful mechanism for the grizzlies to take on multi-season money should they be interested in doing that because they kind of might as well and so then if you can get a team that is interested in iguodala maybe around his money but they also get off of long term then you could get an even better asset yeah i don't think that many teams would be trying to clear space for the summer of 2020 uh, right now but that's uh, it's always possible uh and then re-signed jonas valanciunas a little bit less than the 17 million he would have made uh, valanciunas oh i actually didn't put this in my sheet yet uh three for 45 and valanciunas was close to a 20 and 10 guy for this team and is a an okay fit as a center to let jaron jackson still play power forward as he's filling out he's coming off of that injury from last year as well jackson can still play uh, on the second unit as uh, the center to get some reps there and they did have full bird rights on him they weren't going to have appreciable cap space they're going to have a ton of cap space next year so this doesn't really impact that too much at 15 million a year and Valanciunas is a traditional center those players but he's a really effective offensive rebounder really effective pick and roll guy can post up some and defensively at least takes up space in the middle you know he's limited in terms of his uh, ability to move his feet it gives a good pick and roll partner to uh, job morant to help him uh, develop also so i don't hate this i I think it's an overpay but he's still a a starting quality center played well for them they need scoring on this team and he can provide that and he's probably the their best score maybe this coming year well and front loading makes me feel a lot better about it too because it's just it's more yeah. palatable for other teams and Valanciunas is I, I think this is an overpay but it's not an egregious one and for for Memphis they have kind of they kind of have more spending power than they know what to do with so it's it's less bad for them than it would be for other teams and it's not that bad to begin with. yeah using the full bird rights uh, to front load it to the full eight percent declines that makes it more tradable as well so yeah this, this isn't bad but it's like okay overpaying by him for two or three million a year isn't going to kill you they they have with chandler parsons coming off their books this year and cj miles crowder corver they, they got a lot of guys coming off so uh, this is not the end of the world to, to pay him uh 
and, and they'll be a fun team to watch next year. I'm interested to see if Iguodala spends any time there at all, if Corver spends any time there at all. Okay, let's get to Phoenix. Three for 51 for Ricky Rubio. They likely had to renounce Kelly Oubre unless other cost-cutting moves are going to occur here. It's interesting, we haven't heard any talk around Oubre or of having his capital renounced. So maybe there are other moves in the works. Obviously, this doesn't officially have to happen until July 6th anyway. And maybe someone trying to who would have interest in Oubre is kind of keeping it closer to the vest. The most logical move uh, would be moving on from josh jackson in some capacity maybe they feel tyler johnson is would be expendable as well i mean quite expendable at 19 million i don't know where he would end up but i mean they needed an adult in the room at point guard but i just don't like the fit here with rubio and this is also a pretty penny for him at about 17 million a year it's such a poor fit really on in in some ways on both ends of the floor with when you think about the passage of time so offense first Devin Booker made some real growth last year with the ball in his hands. And so now the Suns are pairing him with a point guard who most teams don't respect their jump shot. So Rubio derives most of his value having the ball in his hands. So that's a big problem. Now you can stagger those guys to an extent, but I think you're going to play both of them significant minutes. So you get that. And when when a team pays Ricky Rubio three years and 51 million, presumably he's going to start in close games. They did that with the intention of, of doing so. And so then you're moving Devin Booker more off the ball he can do he can provide value there but also it compounds some of their potential shooting woes depending on how this rotation works out and then defensively like i've been i've been a rubio believer i mean not as insanely as i was back when he was a a prospect but part of how he was underappreciated was was on defense i thought that he was an, an aggressive active defender but a lot of times that wanes for players as they as they go through their 30s and so i don't think he's enough to like save their perimeter defense and i could expect that over the years especially if the suns aren't particularly good that his impact could wane with time yeah he's already gotten worse defensively he's struggled with these hamstring issues as well they also just lost their trainer aaron nelson so be interested to see what they do in terms of the medical staff now basically what they did was they moved tj warren and gave up a really nice second number 32 overall for the privilege so that they could pay rubio this contract and they may we'll see again what happens ends up happening they may also have lost the cap hold uh, and restricted free agent rights uh, of Ubre. this seems like a pretty big overreaction and not having a point guard and yeah you know what like going into next season with tyler johnson and you know maybe a room exception point guard i mean they've been so long without him after having had so many point guards for so long but i mean what like what is the plan what is the long-term plan are you just all right we got ricky rubio we got our team now boys uh you know and they're down to 25 million in space uh, for next year that doesn't include a draft pick they might have to pay dario sharich uh, as well could get to 35 million if they don't pay him the, i mean rubio is not going to fix the defense this defense is going to be atrocious uh next year most likely with ayton and booker and yeah maybe they'll be a little bit better but sharich is not a good defensive player either those guys will get better you would think but still monty williams is not known as a great defensive coach but yeah i mean i guess your hope now is is that Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Eaton and Devin Booker turn out great. The other thing they could have maybe done is just hold on to TJ Warren, draft Kobe White at number six, not made the trade for Cam Johnson. Hold on to Ubre. Hold on to TJ Warren. Don't get Sharich. I mean, I kind of like Warren better than Sharich, frankly. Maybe we're just uh, overrating TJ Warren based uh, on his shooting, but 
last year yeah i mean this is just kind of deck chairs on the titanic i mean maybe they'll be a little better next year but they're pretty done unless there's some other big moves coming here but in terms of the amount of space they got the room exception they got like four million bucks left if if they in fact move on from Ubre, I, I don't have much to add here it just doesn't doesn't really and you can say oh what else were they doing with their space it's phoenix and blah blah well they could have just done all the moves that i said instead yeah or uh, or I, they could have signed Corey joseph who got who got less money and i think is a yeah. is a better fit with devin booker who is the organizational piece that you're building around like you know yeah. it's it I mean, Rubio is, you know, a little bit better of a pick and roll guy than Joseph, but Joseph is, is better defensively. I yeah. Think. And, and I, I think teams respect him more as an off ball shooter as well, which is. Yeah. And he would to, to go there and start as opposed to backing up Darren Fox with the Kings. Sure. Um, Let's go. Let's yeah, go. Let's go been, to another yeah. offseason. Another June thirtieth. I didn't like the New York Knickerbockers. So, oh man, the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, I'm the 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 headline stuff is they didn't get KD, they didn't get Kyrie, all that kind of stuff. Sure, take that for what it is. It is rem- well. Let's talk about that. Okay. First, though, I, I think I mean Jim Dolan went on the radio in March and said we are very confident. Confident. We have reason to believe that these big free agents are coming here. I don't think that the guys they signed were who he was talking about at that time and what went wrong for them at that point. I mean, who knows? Maybe there was an indication that those guys were coming. They certainly believed it. They made the Porzingis trade and yeah, Porzingis didn't want to be there. They can say that was an asset play and, you know, maybe I like that deal for them. You know, part of the reason I liked it was it seemed like they certainly knew that guys were coming. That was a miscalculation. Now, Porzingis, we'll see what he looks like on a max contract, his health. They did, they were able to get basically, uh, I would say, four first round picks versus a value worth of value plus Dennis Smith, whatever you think of him, for Porzingis. So it wasn't when you consider the amount of money they're able to get off, but getting off of that money, you know, Tim Hardaway, so you can sign Reggie Bullock to. not quite as much, but you see where I'm going here. Like getting off of the two years of Tim Hardaway's contract so that you can then sign guys to basically that level of contract doesn't make a lot of sense there. So we'll see how Porzingis plays and whether he gets hurt again and all that stuff. But, you know, th- that could well have been a miscalculation. And so th- their process, whatever it was, they believed these guys were coming and then they, they weren't. Whether that something changed, whether they're just wrong to believe that to begin with, whether Dolan simply saying that on the radio made these free agents be like, hey, we have a secret deal. What are you talking about? Like, don't publicize it. Who knows? Uh, but now let's talk about who they uh, they did son. There is a parallel for me with this, with the criticisms that I levied on the Knicks last offseason, which is that I don't think their signings created value. So there are lots of different ways that you can do that. You can sign players on team-friendly contracts and trade them. You could use your money to take on bad contracts from other teams in exchange for assets or undervalued players or something like that. And so one of the reasons I was really critical of the Mario Hozonia signing was that there wasn't really a way to pivot it in anything valuable if he ended up being super good then you you basically couldn't retain him though incidentally because nobody wanted to take their money they actually theoretically could have and julius randall three years 63 million possibly a team option on the final year the team option would make it significantly better because then you know you get a lot of control over the process and that times up some of the years taj gibson 20 million over two years bobby portis 31 million over two years and reggie bullock 21 million over two years that is a ton of money to put out there for a team that is still absolutely not going to be good and that creates zero assets. 
yeah now the one thing i'll say is at least they timed this up basically to try to get back in the market in the summer of 2021 not 2020 they're avoiding 2020 which i think a a lot of people uh, are doing here so that makes sense julius randall you know he averaged 21 and 9 last year pretty good efficiency taj gibson can at least defend as a he'll probably be the backup center behind mitchell robinson reggie bullock is a shooter and they have a lot of shot creation on this team now i mean they already got dennis smith kevin knox and rj barrett you add randall to that you know these are uh, and you add bobby portis you they're a bunch of guys who create shots not a ton of spacing you know maybe block helps with that a little bit and then zero defense whatsoever and you know this is kind of the larry bird strategy from a few years ago when he had like monte ellis and jeff teague uh, and paul george and the team is just like all right well we just add up the points per game of all these guys and you know we're gonna we're gonna score 150 points again didn't that team <laughs> have al jefferson too oh, yeah yeah that's right yeah i think they, I think they signed him too yeah so that's uh yeah and and so and, and so you, you're well, right yeah, they have a lot of offensive capability and they have very limited defense but something that i was thinking about and portis helps this but so here's one conception of their starting lineup dennis smith rj barrett kevin knox Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson. I think that's a reasonable projected starting five for them. One of the things we lamented about RJ Barrett's film at Duke was that he played with and a team with such jacked up floor spacing. They had two traditional <laughs> bigs. They they couldn't really run any modern stuff. And Barrett had some nice vision as a passer. We liked a lot of that kind of stuff, but he didn't have the opportunity to showcase it because that Duke team just had a messed up offense. Somehow, despite having offensive talent, he's going to have the same problem again for probably the next two years. Yeah, Schmitz and Gavone are like, oh, he's going to look so much better with NBA spacing. I'm like, well, joke's on you guys because uh, yeah, he's maybe not having NBA spacing. Now, you know, if he plays some with Portis and they get Bullock out there in some of these lineups, you know, maybe it'll look a little better. But uh, yeah, I mean, Randall and Robinson, the likely starting front court, or fine, you're going to throw Gibson in there too. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and like, wh- where is between Gibson, Robinson, Randall, and Portis? I mean, that's four guys. Uh, we're making a lot of money I mean, when are these guys all gonna play i mean i guess they think they're getting these guys just kind of as assets uh and you know i when, when you pay when you pay somebody more when you Mills. pay somebody more than other people are willing to pay them they're probably not going to be an asset yeah yeah maybe when washington was like no we're just not gonna match uh i mean they didn't even go through the restricted free agency dance i mean this is five days before they would have to wait and, and, you and, remember and we know Washington washington's is, willing to play that game yeah, well granted yeah, like it's it's it's, border, it's new but. it's a new ghost owner ghost general manager but still yeah so now randall i don't mind too much gibson i don't mind too much i mean he's pretty old he's 34 now so you know, he could just not be effective uh for his 10 million a year block i i don't mind either portis is the one that's just like really that i just don't get it all i mean the, the idea that like he's getting paid this much is just completely insane to me i mean why why you would spend that money on him instead of just like you know what kind of a shooter might be available for that amount of money um and especially when it's like what is he gonna back up julius randall and he can't defend his position well, and, it's and, interesting and how do you we, you, we talk, you yeah. pay all of these did 
it's another one of those circumstances, we've seen this a few times, where it feels like any one of the moves would have made more sense without all of them together. Because, yeah. sure, yeah, I mean, I think the Randall one's an overpay, It's and I, I, I like him a lot less than you do, just in terms of trying to be on a successful team, which the Knicks are not. And Gibson's fine, his money's there. But saying, even if it's just like, we have more money than we know what to do with, why would you do this with it? Yeah, well, and even going super fun side, I think probably would have would have been better, even with the limited options now they've got 17 million in space left i really think especially because they don't have a ton of point maybe they'll bring back emmanuel mudier because you know they need some more shot creation on this team uh you know neil aquino looks like he's going to just be shunted to the sidelines as well. oh they still have alonzo trier too to, to uh maybe come off the bench and uh create some shots uh but well they didn't lose anything giving him that big option <laughs> Yeah, well, but I think if I were the Knicks, I would be very interested in Dragic uh, to come in here. I, I mean, I think he actually could help this team a little bit next year, uh, and maybe you can pick up an asset for facilitating that that trade for Miami. They they make the most sense because they actually could use him in theory. Um, you know, create some shots. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh but at least he can shoot when he's off the ball and they need just you know an adult in the room type of point guard here too because outside so if they're, if they're trying to win um yeah i mean the portis one is the one that didn't make sense the rest of these are actually okay i mean you know 10 million a year for a 34 year old backup center for two years is pretty tough but you know what else were they doing there really just wasn't much else to do i mean you ran into this problem in the mock off season when you didn't get anyone to uh and you end up getting randall but, but, for, but for a lot but here's, cheaper here's the funniest thing Thing. I understand what you're getting out of the like avoid 2020, but it's different when the person you're not trusting is yourself. You could just not spend that money then, or do something different with it. Like the the opportunity, like they was giving Randall, you know, two years plus a team the, the team option. Like it's just they gave all of these guys got a higher annual value than I would have given them, and it and the, so and also got significant, you know, multiple years, and so. Uh, I, I could yeah, go th- off on this. This is a very Scott Perry off It's, season it's too. so like much the, a Scott Perry off 2017 with the Kings when everyone's like, oh yeah, they really took a step forward. And there was just, you know, that George Hill contract was awful Zebo. for them and, and, and Zach Randolph. And, and, you know, this is somewhat of a similar event. I mean, at least they got some young guys, maybe in theory have some upside. They're um, going to be terrible. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And, and this is this is not a great, all these like hungry mouths to feed in the front court is not a great, I mean, they already had hungry mouths to feed in the back court too. So Smith, you know, if you wanted to increase his trade value, maybe Smith and Knox and uh, Barrett, who are really supposed to be the the guys that you're developing and showcasing here as part of the wave of the future. Like I think they're both the lack of spacing and all these guys. When he touches Robinson too, I, I mean, there's I think th- these guys who are being brought in with big money and and pretty big egos from a, a shot taking perspective with Randall and Portis doesn't really help those guys develop. Um, also notable here, if the Lakers don't get Kawhi, they lose Reggie Bullock. I think the Lakers are starting. Are, this is the first casualty of the time and the remember the lakers could have held on to bullock's cap hold for about four million and they probably would have actually beat this offer in terms of guaranteed money i would guess because they would have had full bird rights on and they could have paid him whatever well, and, and bare minimum to make him a human trade exception yeah and so 
So uh, now that they're waiting for Kawhi, and it sounds like Kawhi is even going to start meeting with people until later, uh, they lose him. And, you know, so so that's a casualty there. If, in fact, they don't get Kawhi trying to build the team. Right? And, I mean, there's a lot of dudes off the market. I mean, you'll see when we go through of, like, if the Lakers don't get Kawhi, it's going to get real interesting, especially because if he goes back to Toronto, it sounds like Danny Green is going to stay in Toronto. He's acknowledged that, you know, he's kind of depending on, on what Kawhi is going to do. Um, Let's see. Who else we got here? Should we do sack now? The Kings who, well, granted, there are going to be some partial guarantees on this, but they committed almost $200 million in salary today. Yeah, but I like uh, the partial guarantees. They'll have the ability to reload when De'Aaron Fox, in theory, would be a restricted free agent. I'm sure they'll they'll come to an agreement on an extension with him if he continues on this path. But yeah, Harrison Barnes, re-signing, but uh, they they have had more fiscal responsibility in the Ken Catanella era. These uh, contracts have some of the hallmarks of him, either the non-guarantees on the end or the declining. Barnes will start with him first. About four for 86, but he starts at 24 million this year and goes down to 18 million by the end of that. So maybe that uh, that should match up at at a minimum with his declining production. This is an overpay for Barnes. Seems like this was kind of done when they made the trade for him, basically. Um, so he'll play the three and the four for them. Dwayne Debin, I like this one pretty good, actually. Uh, You'd imagine maybe they'll have him decline as well. No word on that yet. But three for 40, he's got a non-guarantee on the last year. Uh, Don't know exactly how much that is. And then Trevor Ariza, two for 25, but a significant non-guarantee on the second year for him. So the Kings could still have some cap space for next summer. But again, they're getting out of that uh, market for next summer. That has been a common theme here. And then that Corey Joseph, three for 37. Again, a partial guarantee on the third year. I mean, the pattern has been you go back to the Aaron Aflalo contract, uh, the Anthony Tolliver contract uh, that Catanella had in, I think, the summer of 2016 is when that was. And, you know, we're I'm guessing these partial guarantees are, you know, 1 million guaranteed, 2 million guaranteed, something like that for Ariza, Deadman, and Joseph. The Kings also withdrew the qualifying offer for Willie Cauley-Stein, who could potentially be an, an option in Boston as well. well. We'll have to see, or it could... I highly doubt that. I doubt it too. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think uh, Brad Stevens wants to uh, deal with someone like Collie Stein. Entirely possible, but but, but that that's just a guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from them. And this is a surprisingly deep Sacramento Kings team. Now, I mean, they have a lot of different players. I'm really happy they brought in Deadman as a more capable big man option to play alongside Bagley. So now Bagley can play at power forward next to a capable center, yeah. and he can play and, center. And he can Space and he can play center next to a capable power forward. Yeah, and and yeah. Deadman he, he does bring rim protection and he found a three point shot in Atlanta, which is incredibly exciting. Yeah, and I actually I think the Kings, although they Fox doesn't have the shooting ability, I think they should look at some of those double drag sets that they had so much success with in semi transition with Trey Young in Atlanta with Bagley kind of playing the John Collins role and Deadman playing the Dwayne Deadman role uh in atlanta yeah that, would, that could that, that could be, work uh, really well and a, a thought a little, little esoteric there actual basketball X's and, O's, uh, on today. and yeah, and, so really. and having a reason means that the the kings don't have to rely as much on 
natural twos playing the three. They had Bogdanovich there a lot. And Bogdanovich is a good player. He deserves significant minutes. But they can they just have more looks. They have more options there. And Corey Joseph is a superior backup point guard to their other options. So especially if it's really functionally a two-year contract, which it looks like it might yeah. be. We haven't heard anything about them waiving the $3.2 million due to Yogi Ferrell, but maybe they'll just keep him around as a third point guard. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll probably keep one of Ferrell and Mason. Because you don't, you absolutely do not yeah. need to keep both. Um, I think also Nemanja Bjelica could be a trade candidate sure. now to a team that and, needs and to how and how crazy would that be? Considering remember part of why he the things fell apart with the Sixers and he went there was stability. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, the, the, with Fox and Joseph at at the one, you know, they could play. Joseph has experience playing in two guard lines. Probably won't get much healed. His extension this summer will be very interesting, especially having gained a, a year uh, in age that figure i quoted with them maybe having about 35 million in space next year includes his cap hold for 14 million but you imagine he's going to get more than that um so yeah they, they have a lot of versatility they can play barnes at the four at the three they, they can go with a lot of different looks i mean they don't have any like world beaters outside of De'Aaron fox i mean you're still your path to really getting good with this team is bagley and fox are going to pop and but i think they've got the ability now i mean th- there could be some chafing here with some guys getting paid a lot or being high, highly drafted and not playing that much but i expect that these guys are good they can certainly withstand injury that's for sure I, I mean good good in a king sense i mean you could see him being right around 500 but and hopefully enough versatility around bagley and fox to allow those guys to develop so i, I don't hate this at all for the no. kings i mean this is again like what else were they doing with this money compare their signings to what the knicks did i sure as hell like it a lot better for them i mean they had similar amounts of money these two teams better ecosystem seems like more reasonable contracts guys who fit in with their existing talent yeah i, I think it's a much better job granted that that uh, doesn't have to be high praise but, but but i thought they did well san antonio one of the best contracts i thought that was signed two years 13 million using most of their mid-level exception for damari carroll yeah carroll is 32 but he can shoot the three gets to the foul line just he's got those little tricks where he drives into guys and throws up some crap and and gets to the foul line and can defend the three reasonably well now is he going to be a huge minute player at this point in his career 32 no probably not but i mean there was basically outside of the superstars maybe like four or five threes on the market who could defend their position and hit threes and you know a couple of them were ariza and carol older guys you know danny green is also 32 falls in that category so to get carol for six million a year I think a lot worse players are getting a lot more money and at a pretty rare position the Spurs desperately needed someone who could guard at the three and they find their guy and then Rudy Gay will be back as well two years 32 million he's had some of the better seasons of his career and they'll utilize early bird rights to bring back Rudy Gay at age 32 you know 16 million a year for him is kind of tough he may not even start for them we'll see if if it's Carroll or or whether Gay is going to start at the four they go with Aldridge and Pirtle together and bring Gay off the bench but again it was kind of free money to bring back gay because they already had those early bird rights on and they wouldn't have had a way to replace them so i think it's a pretty good bit of business for the spurs they might just be done they're at 15 players right now in terms of guaranteed contracts and they are 7 million below the tax 13 million below the apron they're hard capped having used the full full emily uh, again they do have the bae still available don't expect them to use that again um 
and this is, this is now a pretty deep team uh there's a lot of guys and you know maybe they can get something out of Lonnie Walker this year they've also got uh Samanich and Keldon Johnson the 19 and 29 picks so it looks like the Spurs are about done they also got a dead charge from Pau Gasol right now but uh maybe they, they could look to trade DeRozan or Aldridge or maybe if they start poorly they would do that but this is just solid guys to, to bring in here uh for the last few years of the Greg Popovich era I mean I don't think this makes them really much better than they were last year necessarily maybe they just get a lot better defensively with Carroll and with Derek White playing more and and DeJounte with DeJounte coming back well, yeah t- so maybe, maybe that's their path because they, they actually were a really good offense last year so maybe that's their path although if they're playing DeJounte more I think they're going to get worse on offense due to the lack of spacing two small notes one the Spurs do not have the biannual available because they used it a portion of it on Dante Cunningham last Last year oh god that's so right. there that's unavailable also i think this squares up with an idea i've been positing for the spurs for a while which is that with patty mills demar Rosen's player option and then lamarcus has that partial guarantee but 24 million is reasonable for him i think they're pretty much going to keep this team together through 21 and then the summer of 21 they'll do like a that'll be when they have a mass evaluation so murray will already be on a new contract by that point he is extension eligible this year and then will be on a new contract next year either way and Pirtle will be as well but outside of that their brooks are pretty clean so i think that's i think that's where this is going yeah you could see DeRozan just opting out though for next year too i mean he, he could be he might be the best free agent on the market that's terrifying who might actually change teams very quickly we talked about new and well reevaluating his commitment there was an announcement that he was going to the the thunder the there were no terms which i thought was interesting when that came out but okc is signing mike muscala i assume that's going to be at the minimum i'm not a huge fan of mike muscala but it's a minimum contract yes it is and okc does in theory have the mini mid-level but also mark sam presti's words that he said it wasn't sustainable for them to be at this level in the tax so maybe they're not using the mini mid-level this year in washington simmon jonathan simmons and the wizards have moved back his guarantee date to july 8th i don't know if they've offered him any more money seems like the reason they would do that would be to have him be part of a trade i'm not sure what that would necessarily entail remember he has a million dollars guaranteed out of that 5.7 million or maybe they just decide to keep keep him because some of these other free agents uh, get away uh, bobby portis off their books now they're just gonna let him go to new york they weren't gonna match that offer anyway so they, they just do him and uh mark barlstein a solid who keeps on winning right now the wizards did sign thomas bryant three years 25 million to the restricted free agent we'll talk about that in a second but just to give you their financial state they are basically right at the cap so they have about 23 million below the tax they still want to bring back thomas sadaransky as a restricted free agent jabari parker they apparently have interest in bringing back uh, as well and they already got bryant uh, on that deal uh if they bring back sadaransky and parker they're probably about done other than their complete lack of a three maybe they could try to get jeff green back as well they will have the mle available but you know 23 million basically below the tax to fill out what looks like it's going to be about five spots and then they got Jan mahimi who they in theory could stretch but of course with this looking like a lost year with john wall being on the shelf most of the way i wouldn't recommend that your thoughts on that bryant deal three for 25 it's an overpay bryant is better on offense than defense and is 
fine. You know, I, and the margin between him, yes, he's young, and I'm happy for him. The, he he signed this contract a year to the day after being waived by the Lakers, so I think that's a pretty cool, a pretty cool little piece. And he's just he's not worth that kind of money to me. I mean, the 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 line of you know the top 15 centers and then everyone else, and generally speaking, if you're outside of that group and he's far, far, far outside that group, the marginal benefit of any specific player is pretty low. And it's three years. You know, you can overpay a guy for a year, but then if it's three years, that's after Bradley Beal would be on his next contract or on a different team. John Wall's still going to be paid because he's paid for eternity. So it's it's not abysmal, but I don't love it. Yeah, where else was this offer coming from for him is a question. He has shown very little defensive aptitude. You know, he's not really like a Skywalker. He's, he's okay as a pick and roll finisher, has some shooting potential, good rebounder, runs the floor, plays hard, good kid, all that. Uh, but yeah, this does seem like kind of getting a little too excited about the fact that you made this guy into a player and uh, overpaying. I, mean, I think he's the perfect kind of guy that you pay the restricted free agent game with and get him at a discount now they did have only early bird rights on him but you know if someone wanted to pay him uh, over 10 million a year i, I probably could have just did let him go again centers are, are pretty darn replaceable all right danny this is our last team that had any transactions today the houston rocket we are over three hours of recording time into this now uh so we'll start with the fact that nene actually declined his 3.8 million dollar player option is going to become a free agent unclear if he's retiring and that's a fair amount of guaranteed money to leave on the table although he's made more than enough in his career he started in the league in 2002 uh supposedly maybe there's speculation that maybe he didn't want to be part of a jimmy butler sign and trade oh yeah remember when we told you that that jimmy spotler sign and trade with houston wasn't going to happen yeah that was uh we spent like three days of the news cycle uh, going crazy about that um gerald green will be returning to houston sounds like either the minimum or maybe he gets a a small raise off because uh, they do have early bird rights uh, on him sounds like a one-year deal as well i'm guessing it's probably the minimum with uh the ever-present tax concerns. Well, and he, that means Houston. he gets an implicit no trade, so that's good for him. And, yeah. and Houston native, I'm sure he wants yeah. to be. Well, there. no matter how much he yeah, signs correct. for, he gets a, if it's a one-year deal. Um, and then Daniel House, three years, eleven million. He was a restricted free agent, but Houston only had his non-bird rights. So they would have had to dip into the taxpayer MLE to sign him. It appears that that is what they have done. But now you're basically on minimum contracts, really, to fill things out. I mean, they'll probably want to leave a little bit of the minimum level available to just give you know the same thing they did last year, give some longer than two-year deals to some lower-end guys. But yeah, I mean, and they are, as of now, still $6 million below the tax. 10 guys under contract, maybe 11 if you count Deontay Davis. They have a bunch of non-guarantees, of course. Maybe they could get to using more of the MLE, the, the full MLE, and be hard-capped at the apron. They've got $12 million below the apron right now, but they still have five roster spots to fill out. So if you use much more than the minimum on any of these other roster spots, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. I wouldn't anticipate that they're going to do that unless they cut some salary somewhere, and they don't have any obvious options to do that with that starting five in place. But I mean, this is your addition. And, and you know, Daryl's always willing to make trades during the, the regular season. And he did a great job reshaping the roster. But if Daniel House is their big addition, like they couldn't even go the full, you know, a three year deal for the main mid level to get someone in who could play. I mean, like, what, like even Damari Carroll or someone might have been, you know, they could have offered him 
more guaranteed money than the Spurs, though it would have been over three years. Not a ton of guys who who help you at this point in time. And we'll see how much the rest of these guys who are out there still go for. And House was good during the season last year. He disappointed against the Warriors, but the Warriors are a really tough team to play against. And then uh, was out out of the rotation, but he shot it pretty well. He's able to attack off the dribble. Individual defense needs some work against the best guys, but he, you know he's he I think earned this contract. I think this isn't a bad contract for him in a vacuum. But you do wonder what the opportunity cost is, and I. I think we'll find out more about that when some of these other guys sign but i'm really happy for house remember that there was this weird leverage play that was going on when he and gary clark were doing the the two-way dance where gary clark went from a two-way to a contract and then house went there and then they were the, the rockets were trying to get house on a long on a longer term deal that had not as much guaranteed money so he, he kind of bet on himself made it a said basically like i'm going to be a restricted free agent next year and cashed himself out made a lot more money than he would have on like a minimum contract so a couple of things to me now maybe at the minimum they can find some pretty good contributors here but i mean they've they've got a lot of roles to fill out here i mean they don't really have a backup center who's experienced at all with nene being gone farid uh, was not really wanted back he carped about playing time there uh you know they do still have full bird rights on amon shumpert maybe that would be a way uh, that they can add some talent here i mean i think i would advise them to bring him back if they can if it's not just a completely exorbitant price they do have green back uh, who you mentioned they do not have the same rights with austin rivers so i would expect that he'll be gone yeah yeah you you would think so unless his market really completely collapses so yeah depth could definitely be an issue for these guys and i mean they do have all their picks going forward as well so you could see them making a trade and they got to get some more salary fodder on the roster me that's another reason to even get uh shumpert under contract although again if he signs a one-year deal uh, he would have trade veto rights as well. They might want to get him on like a one-year deal with a second-year non-guarantee, something like that. Um, but you know, once you start spending a lot of money on him, then you're you're paying tax money for a guy who's frankly not that good. Uh, and then they also were supposed to meet with Kavan Looney. I don't know if that meeting has happened yet, but Looney in his market, it's going to be really difficult for him to go back to the Warriors. Really difficult for the Rockets to offer him much more than the minimum as well. I mean, I think he would have been a great fit with them. So who knows what what's going to happen. Uh, with him now my instinct um, is the celtics but i don't have any inside inside information or anything on that they could do some interest yeah and, and he would be a nice signing for them uh defensively let's uh so that'll actually do it for all of the actual transactions i had all these guys in the rumor section but then they all signed uh so really i mean the only people to talk about in the rumor section is Kawhi. we we hit on him mostly uh you know all the noise seems to be with the lakers he did talk by phone with magic hasn't had any official meetings yet per chris haynes seems like it's down to clippers the knicks can't even afford him anymore at this point in time and he didn't appear too interested there so it's clippers raptors or lakers for Kawhi. the buzz seems to be about the lakers though windhorse made this point today which i think makes sense that you know he the clippers he was pretty familiar with lakers you know he's not as uh, familiar with the you know He's going to meet with LeBron and AD and, you know, kind of be recruited for the first time. And obviously the Raptors will get the, their last chance. So it does seem like this could drag out a, a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see there's not that much left in the market. We'll go through there. And then DeMarcus Cousins, we haven't heard a single thing about him. And now he doesn't even have the Warriors as a backstop either. I know we mentioned him briefly, but do we want to talk anymore about the Patrick Beverly signing three for 40? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't have that in my notes. Thank you. So Beverly back there three for 40. It seemed like Dallas was going to be where he was going with all the noise to McMahon was reporting on that. He had that same number. 
and there's a little bit of advantage now for the Clippers they could actually keep his 9.6 million dollar cap hold on the books start him at as much as 14 million and decline it down uh wouldn't shock me if there was some kind of non-guarantee on, on the end there too I think it seemed like Beverly just couldn't wait around to, for Dallas any longer whatever the hell Dallas is doing uh and the bull is market with the bulls seems to have dried up yeah they still have the nine million in space maybe they he could have gone there but going back to the clippers makes sense they still have the low cap hold for him uh this now would likely preclude the clippers from adding a second max guy to Kawhi. there's nowhere really to dump gallo anymore either uh even though he's he's a good player and I think a fine value. I thought that about Andre Iguodala too. I was I was wrong apparently. So it does seem like if Kawhi is going to come to the Clippers, it's going to be just him for this year. If that's the case, they would still have another ten million or so to work with. They could hold on to the cap hold. Uh, well, not his entire cap hold, but they, they could do enough to bring back uh, Jamichael Green. You know, on something like ten million a year, I think he, he could really help them. They also have Zubach and Magruder. That number includes their cap holds. Uh, we haven't heard anything about a deal for those guys yet. Um, do you you have something there? Nope. I, I thought I heard an intake of breath, but I could be hallucinating y- here. Y- you were. I was muted, but that's mark. all right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so the Clippers so yeah, are, I, I mean, it's it's yeah. so fascinating that I thought the whole league was going to be in a holding, but this, I guess this is kind of big picture, but it, you get in there. I thought the whole league was going to be in a holding pattern because a couple of these things, remember, we went into today thinking that we had no idea what Kevin Durant's decision timing was. That was a huge change. And now it seems like it's really three teams that are being locked in by Kawhi and everybody else just did their stuff. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi and Cousins are really like the two biggest names out there still. We'll go through some of the uh, available space and players who are still out there. The point guard market, at least as far as unrestricted guys, has completely dried up already. Ish Smith, Jeremy Lin, Alfred Payton, TJ McConnell, Rajon Rondo are probably even your only established backups available at, at this point in time. You still got on the restricted market, Daylon Wright, Thomas Sadoransky, Tyus Jones, who John Krasinski thought might have an offer sheet out there. Uh, Alex Caruso and then Nando DiColo as well uh you know I think all those guys are players that you would feel pretty comfortable with uh, at backup point guard so there's probably you know eight to ten solid backup point guards still out there shooting guard Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell Pope are still there Wes Matthews we haven't heard anything about him shooting guard probably still has as the most depth i would say of any position where you've got shumpert wayne ellington seth curry avery bradley if he gets non-guaranteed rivers whom you mentioned uh justin holiday and then there's some fringier guys who might be decent there too um what's it look like left on the small forward position slim pickens Kawhi, obviously fantastic james ennis whose market is really thinned out, Wilson Chandler. We'll see what happens with Kyle Korver. I'm expecting Korver will be back on the market. Just, I mean, maybe Memphis keeps him, but maybe not. Then Kelly Oubre is in that weird nether world where we don't know if he's restricted or unrestricted. That will probably clarify within the next 48 hours. Dorian Finney-Smith is still restricted with the Dallas Mavericks. And I, I didn't hear you mention Rodney Magruder, so I'll mention him now. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah, and then you've got a few guys like your Stanley Johnson, Justin Anderson, Sam Decker, guys who would have been restricted but didn't get qualifying offers and then you know there's a bunch of old vets uh, as well power forward decent depth here too still marcus morris uh, at age 29 probably headlines that his brother markeith morris as well also 29 jamichael green at 29 you still got wilson chandler jabari parker hollis jefferson jared dudley jeff green 
And then center, DeMarcus uh, at age 28, uh, still out there. Then you go down to Ennis Cantor, Looney, Rashawn Holmes, Boban, Nerlens Noel, JaVale McGee, Noah Vonley, Salah Mejri, and it, not t- too sexy. And then on the restricted market, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein is now unrestricted. And then uh, Vicha Zubac and Kem Birch, uh, Jordan Bell, Daniel Tice on the restricted market. So not a ton there. I mean, this is certainly the most pick clean that it's been at this point, basically at any point uh, since we've been doing dunked on at a minimum. Yeah. So, yeah. Go uh, ahead. It's, so one, do you want to kind of do some winners and losers and stuff? Just because we need more content. You know what? Why don't we save that until tomorrow? Yeah, I'm good with that. It's a, a, the winners and losers of the first couple of days. I don't know if we're even going to have that much to talk about tomorrow so i mean obviously when Kawhi that domino happens but it seems like it might be a few days for that uh yeah we'll give out some best contract worst contract awards tomorrow but uh yeah let's wrap this up i'm starting to lose my voice and it's uh 2 31 a.m pacific time now so don't forget about our patreon patreon.com slash duncan larue got director of basketball research uh, ben dull posting those uh, for us but i'm feverishly updating my cap sheets as fast as possible hopefully i can keep up with real time a little bit more instead of the news just getting ahead of me so much but uh oh this is also interesting too i want to talk about this uh at the start of the day excluding exceptions there was 483 million dollars in space again excluding exceptions a lot of this uh, is teams exceeding the cap to resign their own free agents using mle or room or whatever so that's how much room there was for this offseason next offseason there was 1.3 billion dollars or so in space again excluding exception as of now there's still 198 million dollars in space but only 718 million dollars next year down from that near 1.3 billion overall we had 2.9 billion dollars in contracts handed out today 642 million of that was for this year 709 million dollars handed out for next year 661 million dollars for three years from now and 540 million dollars for four years from now and even a cool 200 million dollars handed out from five years from now so that is uh a lot of cash handed out and the total number of deals uh, that i had is i think 46 something like that 46 47 so just just to give you an idea um of some of the seismic changes that have occurred today and uh yeah we're tweeting about all this at nate duncan nba at danny larue patreon.com slash duncan larue snapshots of all these team salary sheets as they're making these signings the whole league and of course you get those subscriber only podcasts including a mailbag that we did a couple of days ago uh all right we will talk to you all tomorrow we'll do this all again till then at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365 21 plus only must be present in virginia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply